This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's Brandon Tierney and Sal Licata on WFAN The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Uh, good morning, everybody. BT and Sal on The Fan. Brandon Tierney, Sal Licata Show. Uh, I, I think we got a good one today. Before we jump into that, I, I want to to send a shout out to our guy Sal, uh, who is, uh, and I wouldn't say this if he didn't, you know, say that it's okay to say this part about it. Uh, Sal is dealing with a a very serious family emergency, which obviously is much more important than radio, which at the end of the day means nothing. Uh, so take your time, partner. I know there's a chance you might come back tomorrow if you're not up for it or you can't. We got you. No worries. Uh, and uh, I would encourage you out there to send Sal and his family some good vibes. I think they could use it right now. So hopefully you're hanging in there, Sal. All right. The, uh, <laughs> you know, yesterday was good. Yesterday was fun. I opened up the show and talked about how the New York Knicks stunningly somehow have transformed into the best-run franchise in the city. And I stand by it, and I mean it. Further illuminated, excuse me, illuminated last night, you know, no OG, no Randall, you know, tired. They played the night before. I know, so did Utah. And the Knicks just absolutely whack them and paste them. And that matchup on Thursday against the Pacers and the Lakers on Saturday could be a lot of fun. Knicks are rolling. So, yeah, I was feeling so good. And I'm still feeling good, really good, about the Knicks. And then this stupid article from The Athletic, and it's not a diss on their work, it's stupid because it changes my entire mood. Now, my mood... And my ride in, my process before this, before our show, is that I've got generally between 50 and, you know, an hour and five, 50 minutes and an hour and five getting in on my commute. And I always listen to Boomer and Geo. Not all of it, but I definitely pop in. I do like to get some music in, you know, therapeutically set the mind up to battle with my guy Sal because he gets loud in here. So I got to be ready, right? But I obviously want to catch a lot of their show. And I do that today after a little music. And I hear Gio talking about this article from The Athletic. And I got to tell you, I, I think this is not exactly breaking news. We, we've all known that the Jets have been historically the, the worst-run franchise in our city. Um, it's the gift that just keeps on giving. You know the list. I don't need to run down the comedy of errors because we all know it. Beningo's been doing it for decades. We know. I have news for you. I am now beginning to look at the next season coming up as as basically I'm, I'm almost I'm almost bereft of any hope that the Jets can stumble upon success. And you know why? 
It's not even a personnel thing. It's not about, well, the old line or the lack of a number two receiver. Yeah, that stuff matters. When you read this article, the one thing that I thought Robert Sala had, because I, I know he's not a good coach. I mean, that, that we know. That is wildly apparent from his, you know, ridiculous press conferences where he says nothing to the penalties which he accepts to the way he subverted his young pick, Zach Wilson, going back, his confidence, going back to the Mike White stuff. There's nothing that that the coach has done that shouts anything remotely good. Except that I, I do think he's a good person, which obviously does matter. I think he's a horrendous coach. Horrendous. This article paints him in an even worse light. Because what I never thought he would be, never thought he'd be paranoid. I never thought he'd be so desperate to change narratives that would infiltrate how he coaches. And apparently he does. They have no hope with this guy. They will not win anything with Robert Sava. Yeah, they're not even at all. And I, I, listen, I think you guys know me by now. If anything, I'm, I sometimes skew too positively, right, with certain things, the unkillable stuff. And all right. And I believed it then, but I was wrong. I'll own it. But I'm not a negative person. Like, I don't wake up and come in here and just tell you that nothing is going to be good on the New York sports scene, despite the darkness that we've been handed for a good part of the last 15, 20 years by almost every team here. So I am generally painting things, if I can, somewhat positively. There is nothing about the Jets that I now, nothing that I can point to and say, here is why I think they can actually do something. Even if Rodgers is the MVP, because the first, and here's the problem with Salah, and I didn't think this was the case. The first moment of turmoil, that first little bump of turbulence, which happens to everybody. Hell, look at the Eagles. What were they, 10 and 1? Things fell apart. How'd they react to the turbulence? They fell apart. They, they, they just they bombed. They imploded. Um, uh, uh, not, not quite, you know, an incredible, um, uh, an incredible endorsement of their direction, but the Giants were pretty much the antithesis where they started out horrendously. They lost 40 to zip. They were playing horrible football. That third game against the Niners, awful. And at least the Giants were able to stabilize. Now, things with with with, with obviously Wink and the head coach, that, that's a different set of circumstances. But the Giants during their turbulent period showed that they play hard, they play together, and they piece together some wins with a third-string quarterback. I have to read you a few of these things here because the way this is described by 30 sources around the New York Jets in and around the team, the building, these sources describe a team riddled with excuse making, a paranoid head coach, an ill-equipped offensive coordinator, and an organizational tunnel vision on the quarterback that rubbed people the wrong way. Now, this is not about going through chapter and verse, you know, uh, they've lost, you know, five games by 20 points or more or Salvo's record. That That is almost small potatoes at this point. What I am now seeing and what I am able to deduce from this article, which is scathing. I mean, it. It's, I don't want to say it's a hatchet piece with intention because I don't think the athletic one went after it with this angle. I don't. I, I, I respect the, the integrity of the journalism. I think what they wanted to do was do a deeper dive around somebody interesting, Rodgers, and the more people they spoke to, the more they're like, wow, this place is an absolute disaster. It's absolutely worse than we thought. Right? So listen to this. There is a situation where multiple people said 
that basically they didn't even watch film from an offensive point of view. How many times did you hear about the Jets being out-efforted, out-schemed? Well, I'll tell you. Well, Al Lazard went on the record with it, and he said that. Garrett Wilson said, quote, what happened this season can't happen. We've got to make adjustments. These are things we knew. What we didn't really know is this stuff. Behind closed doors, the vibes weren't always positive, especially when Sala would see negative press reports. Okay, so before I read a little bit more, I want you to understand what the head coach, according to this detailed report, is worried about while the season's going up in flames. He's worried, now I'm just going to read this, and I'll give you my commentary. He would often bring up, in his mind, how the Giants don't get as much negative coverage as the Jets, calling it unfair. He would point to negative press reports, despite projecting a positive vibe only mantra. And those are my words, right? So let me get this straight. You got the head coach who's embattled, who's won nothing, who's shown no signs that he belongs at all. He's actually on page to be the worst Jets coach of all time. And that is, that. let's face it, people, that's hard to do. I mean, that is, that is actually quite the accomplishment. If he actually goes down, like statistically, win-loss win record as the worst Jets coach of all time, that's not a co-type because, I mean, I think you have to erect a statue for him for being so bad. You know, generally we we hang numbers and, and send things to the Raptors and, you know, we sculpt out things, uh, you know, uh, to carve out these memories that will be seared in our minds visually forever. You know, we haven't come to life with a picture or, or a statue. If he stays on this path, they need to build a statue for being that bad. But that's one that that's only one aspect here. The most disconcerting part of all of this is that when we're sitting on our couch, and we didn't know this in real time, we couldn't possibly know this. We're sitting there saying, All right, this bum ass offensive line probably give up five sacks today. Maybe they could piece together a win. All right. Garrett Wilson, no help. Maybe he can go for eleven and a buck thirty and two touchdowns, and they could somehow win this defense, which is really good. Maybe they can force, I don't know, three or four turnovers like the Giants did against the Commanders when they had six that game. Maybe they could pull that out of their hat and they can win a game they're not supposed to win. But we never really pointed to anything tangible like they're going to win because of the coach. Nobody thought that. If anything, they just thought he was alone for the ride. What's most problematic about this article is that apparently he's actually a negative. He's a negative. He was never going to outduel or outwit Bill Belichick. I mean, that's certainly asking for too much. Or even McDaniel schematically with the Dolphins and their weapons and, you know, some of these other teams. I, I, God forbid we ever were graced with that gift. We we just were hoping that this coach would be able to motivate, you know, and keep things together. And he didn't. Why is he here still? I'm dead serious. Why is he still the coach? And this is not a regurgitation. Oh, they should have hired Harbaugh. Like, I see this, and I want to know Woody Johnson, who's pretty hands-on. You know, he tweets. He's, he sits in on meetings. How does he not see this? How is this accepted? Listen to this. 
The Giants-Jets stuff to me, that this would be intimated, is absolutely pathetic. So, again, as the season's going up in flames, he's worried about that the Jets are getting worse coverage than the Giants. I got news for you. You deserve it. I mean, you've earned it, dude. Last year you sucked. Last year the Giants won a row playoff game. It's called equity. It's called fan equity, dude. You know, like, more more commonly translated, when your team does well, the fans generally are a little more tolerant. And that seeps into the media. And rightfully so. But I'll tell you this much, Coach Sala. You know, the Gettleman stuff, he, he, he was not spared, you know. The McAdoo stuff started with his press conference with the jacket. He wasn't spared. Joe Judge, I mean, the reason Joe Judge got fired is because he talked his way out of a job. We picked up on it. I take no pleasure in this, and, and I'm certainly part of it, you know, small part of it. And uh, You never want to see somebody get fired, but he just kept saying things, and we kept talking about it, and people kept writing about it, and he got fired. That's called negative press. Think about that. I'm actually disgusted. I am, I am, I am, first of all, I'm flabbergasted that he would worry about such petty stuff. He'll never be a good coach. 877-337-6666. I mean, so, you know, I've told you, and me and Sal talk about this, my Sunday routine, right? I'll go get the sandwiches, a little roast beef, extra mutts, roasted red peppers, a little oil vinegar, ginger ale. Sit down and watch the Jets. And the team that I know, basically, because we can't score, it's bad enough we basically have no chance to win. But you sit there, and again, in real time, not knowing this until this comes out, and I'm assuming this is true. This is an outstanding journalistic report. All right? You're watching this team, and the coach that you're watching is more worried about the coverage that the Giants are not getting. That is sad. That is the highest level of sadness. I will never trust him, and if they win, they will win in spite of him. That's it. Spite of him. He has no chance to succeed here. None. Oh, and there's more in the article. That's just the appetizer. Wow. Oh, my God. All right. This guy, listen, I'm going to say he never calls the station. He calls the other station a lot, which bothers me. Uh, he's a great guy. I know him. He hasn't called me in years. I'm going to put him up. He's actually the first caller. That's Ira in Staten Island, who is a great person and a great Jets fan. But, Ira, hold on. Ira is known as incredibly Positive to the point where it's ridiculous, dude. If you are calling with an unrational positive take on this, you, I'm going to hang up on you. Go ahead, buddy. Hey, good morning. <laughs> good to talk to you. No, no, you're right. You're right. But I've gotten better as I've gotten older. There we go, Ira. I have. I have. I have. I mean, you could talk to Joe off the air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know I, you, I, and Joe, you and Joe are tight. I, 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 I've learned. Yeah. But this is. Just and by the so way, I hope you're doing well, man. It's been a long time. You okay? 
Yeah, thank God everything's good. Attaboy. I'm still working part-time, and I'm, I'm glad to hear you. Good. But, you know, you, you are so right on every point you bring bring up. And I wish I was wrong. I wish Salah was the guy, but he's not. And he's never going to get us to where we need to go. And that's a sad state. And for me to say that, it's really bad. And you know what? There's just so many issues going on over there at that organization. Is that even with Rodgers, if Rodgers came back and he looked like he was 25, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, is Salah ever going to outcoach a big-time coach? Is he in a big spot? Is he going to outcoach Andy Reid? No. Is he gonna, you know, no, right, exactly. So, I don't know if he can outcoach me at this point. No, this is going to be rinse and repeat like we've watched for the last 30, 40 years. And next year, when they make the move and they clean out the whole organization yep. and Rogers goes, they're going to have to draft a quarterback. They're going to have to get a first-time head coach, one of these coordinators that we don't know about. We're going to get a new general manager. It's just I, 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 hope, this, I hope I'm wrong and I hope the thing is different. But right now, I have a sickening feeling that next year, you know, listen, maybe they win their eight games, but at the end of the day, they're not getting where we expect well, them I, to I, get. Let's be honest, man. Get. Let's be totally honest. And, Ira, thanks for the call. It's good to hear. It's been, I mean, it's been years. Thank you. Um, any success that the Jets have in 2024, and I do, I do believe because there's talent that they can have success, let me be very clear. It will be in spite of the coach. They will get lucky and stumble upon it. Think about this. Again, you're in the midst of a, a season where everybody, everybody, from HBO to the Canton Hall of Fame game, which I was at, to the, you know, every day with Stephen A. and the first take crew, national, national pub, national run, right? You are the story. And as things are imploding beyond recognition, and listen, you can't control Rodgers getting hurt, and it sucks, but... He's worried about those things. What do you think that he's thinking about when he's got to make a decision in the game when it's a stressful moment? <laughs> well, I mean, what do you think? It's this. This is just. I mean, this might be among the saddest commentaries I've ever read of any New York sports coach. Honestly, I, 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 I know that there were worse situations. Like, there's been certainly worse teams, and the co-tight stuff was a mess, and. Some of those really, really horrendous Met teams. I'm sure those clubhouses were a disaster. But, jeez, they just they have the wrong guy. They have the wrong guy. 877-337-6666. BT and Sal here on The Fan. Inside of our Town Fair Tire Studio. Friends of Town Fair remind you that you always get the guaranteed lowest price on name brand tires from Connecticut to Maine. Nobody beats Town Fair Tire. Nobody. And I promise you, I woke up in a phenomenal point of view. I I felt great today. Got a good night's sleep. Kids went to bed finally, like kind of early, fairly early. You know, was able to lay in bed and watch TV with, TV with my wife. Like just a night, had a night. She made shrimp dinner. It was great. Came back from basketball practice. We had a good practice. Yesterday's show was awesome. The Knicks are rolling. I watched the Knicks. They destroy another team. They, the Garden's going insane. DiVincenzo, I mean, it looks like basically, I don't know, Clay Thompson. Everything's good. And then this comes out. And this comes, and the it bothers me. It bothers me so much because these are so detectable. If 30 people that were approached and contributed to this very thorough investigative piece, if they know this, if they see this, if they tell us, how does the owner not know this and see this? And if he does, 
How does he turn a blind eye, not move on from Salah, and hire, I don't know, Jim Harbaugh? <laughs> BT and Sal on the fan. The fan is better when you're a part of it. Call us at 877-337-6666. Powered by Paramount+. Plus. Stream the NFL on CBS live on Paramount+. Plus. Sal, 1026 on the fan. Brandon, Tierney, Sal, the Cotta Show. We'll get back to these calls here, 877-337-6666 about, I mean, listen, this is obvious. The worst-run franchise in New York compared to the Knicks, who I asserted yesterday are the best. But what's most, most distressing about this, like, it's easy to anoint something as, you know, below par or bad I didn't realize it was this bad. Like, I I read this article in The Athletic, and there is nothing favorable, I mean nothing, that comes out and depicts the Jets as competent or, you know, forward-thinking or together. And you can cherry-pick the stuff with Hackett, who before the— who's useless. Let's be honest. Who, before the Dallas game, was apparently approached by the Jets' offensive line coach— you know, make sure you shuttle over some help here for Dwayne Brown, for Micah Parsons. He ignored him, didn't do it. And what happened? Ten pressures. Zach got crunched all day. Parsons lit him up. Ah, good job, coach. Way to incorporate a thought from a fellow coach. Appreciate that. I told you before about, you know, Robert Sala being worried about and 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 fixated on the disparity and negative coverage that his team receives compared to the Giants. What are you worried about that for? You think Aaron Boone's worried about the Yankees and the Mets coverage? Honestly, no. The answer is no. So that's another aspect. And now you start to get into some stuff, and I, I didn't really think this would be the case, where players are now beginning to resent the coach for his constant, I don't know if the word is defense, but maybe glorification of Aaron Rodgers, who apparently also wasn't nearly as present for Zach Wilson as it was positioned, well, him as as it was positioned. <laughs> Zach basically said, yeah, man, I didn't hear from the guy for a while. I don't, I don't know what happened to him. That's good. Nice. Would have assumed that, that mantle of leadership, Aaron. So I guess all the nonsense about I love Zach and he's a great kid and he's a, he's, I love his family, he's going to be a great player. Yeah, then you go down and you basically desert him. You ghost him. Fantastic. What a friend. What a buddy. Yeah, awesome. They're worse than I thought. And and I think what's terrifying to me is, I honestly don't even know how you attempt to rectify this. Like, the easy thing would have been a while ago, a month ago, <clears throat> as soon as the season ended. All right. It didn't work out. We are in a mess, and there are now fractures in the building and things that are no longer... I can't avoid reacting to them. I'm talking about from Woody Johnson's point of view. So you move on from the head coach. Obviously, Hackett's gone. Independent of what what Aaron Rodgers wants or thinks. Tough. Too bad. Go retire if you don't like it. And you hire a great coach. And even if you take it on the chin a year for a year, because the salary cap, uh, penalty, whatever, accelerated, I get whatever. I'll let the capologists figure that out. But I know it's not favorable. Like if he retired or if he was traded, whatever. uh, You deal with it. And you get a real coach in here. Instead... Here it is, uh, a rudderless ship again, just bouncing from wave to wave, hoping eventually that the storm dissipates. And I ask you, 
Why will it? It won't. It won't. 877-337-6666. Examine what the Knicks have done. Examine what the Knicks are doing. And you will see the best-run franchise in New York. And by the way, the Rangers are a close second. The Yankees are right there. Examine what the Jets are doing. And I don't mean the buff fumble and Blair Thomas. I don't, I don't mean that. I mean now, this version. And you will see the worst-run team in New York. All right, let's get back to you. Uh, Kenny on Staten Island, BT and Sal. What's happening, Kenny? How are you? Hey, what's going on, BT? Always a pleasure. Thanks, bud. <laughs> yeah, as you know, this this has been going on way too long with this organization. And maybe, you know, some 30 people inside the organization, you know, just basically spewing negative stuff. Maybe yeah. it's time for Woody to clean house from the water boy to the GM. And just, <laughs> you know, just clean house. Yeah. Because this is, and, and Woody's at fault here, too. Yep. Obviously, I don't. I don't even. I don't even know if he cares anymore. You know, we we discussed this before with the season ticket holders being being basically taken over the coals in October last year for the for the season ticket money for this year. But this is this is just getting too too ridiculous now, and everybody's going to buy in again when Aaron Rodgers comes back. You know, this season you're going to see the Jets open up on a Thursday night after the Niners win the Super Bowl. You're going to see that everybody's going to do the hype, but it ain't going to change. Just that stench doesn't go away. It's just one thing after another. Where as Jet fans, we you know I don't know what they care about anymore in the in the organization. You know our good friend Joe Beningo, he gets dragged into this with with with, with you know basically text messages. Well, 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 hold on a second. No, Joe, hold on, Joe, Kenny. Kent, Joe is definitely a, a friend, and Joe is a legend. But Joe created that nonsense himself. Yeah, he didn't get but, dragged but into can, it. No, I know, but I okay. think they went. I think I think they just were you know went a little overboard considering what was going on. You know that's that that was my feeling on that when, when they got bigger fish to fry. No, I see what you're saying. You mean meaning the head you know? coach, you know, reach texting and having a relationship and, yeah. and trying to plant things with with a radio legend. I, I mean, yeah, I mean that's yeah. a problem if that's if that's what you're concerned with. Thanks for the call, there, Kenny. You know, here's let me read you something else and and think about this, guys. Think about this from an operational point of view, like a leader, a leadership point of view. All right, uh, he worries about. Hold on, let me get. Nah, where was it? Hold on. Yep. Okay. So, I mean, it's a it's a lot of work here. It's like I've got like twenty pages in front of me printed out. In the aftermath of Rogers' injury, Sala bemoaned his bad luck throughout his tenure. He's often wondered aloud. Think about this. He wondered aloud if he was doomed to the same fate as Vic Fangio, another brilliant defensive coach cursed by misfortunate quarterback. Fangio was fired by the Broncos. Blah blah blah. Nineteen and thirty record despite building an elite defense. Blah blah blah. All right. So. Let me get this straight. As the season's up in flames and everything bad is happening around him, he is then, and now I'm not going to read, it's too long, he basically goes and he has somebody build a portfolio of other elite defensive coaches and what their record is without their starting quarterback. As what? A, a, a wall of protection? <laughs> when, when you have somebody fixated on the stuff that you can't control, Instead of trying to tighten up what you can control, you're doomed. You're dead. Uh, I'm going to push back a little, Kenny, on the um, the fact that Woody Johnson doesn't care. I absolutely think Woody does care. Now, that's not a, a blind defense of Woody. He's made a litany of mistakes. But, I, see, the biggest issue with the Jets organizationally, and I've said this for a while, 
is that the good organizations, the really well-run, the consistent, no drama, no leaks, solid draft picks, and you draft somebody, you develop them, you know, a good football team. There's a guy in the building who can report to the owner who knows football and has connections. I'm not saying that Joe Douglas doesn't know football. I really like Joe and... I mean, Joe's fate, like everybody's, is tied to the season. Joe's a great man, but if it doesn't work out, Joe's got to go. It it is what it is, and I love him. But that is one of the major problems with the Jets. They look around, and they're like, what do we do? And this goes back to Charlie Casserly. This goes back to Peyton Manning with Adam Gase. No, no, how about you stay in your building, and you walk down the hall and talk to somebody who knows football and knows the league? Instead of outsourcing opinions. Uh, Coco's right here in Manhattan. Coco, what's going on, buddy? Hey, hey, BT, how you doing? I'm good. How are you today, man? Hey, BT, I appreciate how one of the best producers on WFN. And I'll go with Eddie Scazzeri and uh, the other guy. I forgot his name. But anyway. But Al Hughes? Al Dukes? No, not Al Dukes. Um, The other guy with uh, Sid. Forgot his name. The guy with Sid. I have no idea what's going on now. Why are we talking about produ- producers? What? Yeah, producers. Okay. He used to produce Imus and uh, Eddie. Uh, 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 oh, oh, uh, 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 McGurk. I don't no, know McGurk. what's going on. Birdie. Anyway, that's not that. That's not important. You confuse me, My buddy. Let's is, go. Pound to pound, I think you wanted the best on WFN. And oh, thanks, you just man. Started. No, I'm being honest. You, I appreciate you that. and Sal. You and Sal, a lot of energy, but I still like you better with uh, with um, Tiki. That's no way. I, I'm, no, 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 no. That's your opinion. I'm, I'm, that's you. I'm saying this is my opinion. I know. I respect I your you, opinion. You, I can you, tell you, you really that I, I, hold on, hold on a second. You know, you can't just throw that. I, I, you know, I can't, you know, I love Teak. I love this show. Let me leave it at that. But I love Teak. But I love this show. Now let's keep it moving. Like, I'm, like, I'm a listener, so I'm just I got you. Point. I got so, you, man. So okay. going back, going, and I love Sal too. Don't All right, let's go. All right, so. So you 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 yelling about this article? I'm listening to it, and you saying that as a defensive head coach, or Salah is worrying about other coach not having their quarterback. Those are facts. You don't have a quarterback, you cannot win, and that's one point. The second point, when the Giant had a problem with the defensive coordinator, Wink Martindale, mm-hmm. I was listening to the same fan. You guys are like, oh, it's not a big deal. Oh, you know what? Or if you can't get along, they were, people were calling him somebody who was cleaning on people, couldn't get along with people. Yeah. You guys were defending him every time. I listened to to, to this to, to the fan every time. There's something about the the giant. You guys come out. Oh, it's nothing. Or you know what? They well, I mean, the man. That, that, that's oh, not true, Coco. That's it's I mean that's your true. that's your interpretation. I can promise you that's not true. I can promise you that. But if that's what you think that you hear, I I, I can't tell you that. That's not what you hear because that's your interpretation. You know, so I, I get it. I mean, I'm not gonna shoot it down except to say that I don't I don't I don't see it that way. I mean the giant listen, we're we're I'd like to think that we're all equal opportunistic, you know, bashers and praisers. <laughs> I, I, I really I don't know if I think when somebody needs to get hit, we hit them. When somebody needs to get praised, we praised them. Like yesterday with the Knicks, you know? I mean, everybody's sitting here talking about Brunson and Randall, which obviously makes a ton of sense. I came on the air yesterday and say, hey, I got news for you. Open your eyes. The Knicks are the best-run franchise in New York. And I gave you 10 reasons why. So I'd much rather praise than pound. But this is disgraceful.
This is just unacceptable. 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 Except, of course, they are accepting it. Lucky us, huh? Well, unacceptable for, I think, most of us. When this happened... Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. You talked about it on the fan. Santana into the windup. The payoff pitch on the way. Swung out and missed. Strike three. He's done it. Johan Santana has pitched a no-hitter. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the Free Odyssey app. Back on the fan, Brandon Tierney, Sal, the Cotter Show, BT and Sal, minus Sal, and hopefully our guy is able to make it back tomorrow as uh, he's dealing with a uh, a very serious, I told you this at the outset, family emergency, so um, certainly keep Sal and his family in your prayers. Sal is okay, uh, but um, yeah, it's he's dealing with something real serious. So before I get back to these jet calls, which are just further depressing me, this article in The Athletic, oh my God. Even when you get Rodgers, you can't even enjoy it. The uh, the Knicks, thank God they've got <laughs> thank God they've got some life to them. How about this? Thirty one and seventeen. Thirty one and seventeen. Best month they've had. I know everybody's seen this all over social media, but if you haven't, Knicks just had the best month they've ever had since nineteen ninety four. Ninety four, and. No Randall. It's going to be out for a little bit. No OG still. Hopefully he's back Thursday. That Pacers game is going to be interesting. Like, I know you're supposed to beat the Utah Jazz who played the Nets the night before. You're supposed to beat the Charlotte Hornets down in Charlotte, you know, the night before that. Knicks went back-to-back. So did Utah. Knicks handled business. They were favored both games. They won. I'm not saying that you pop champagne over the fact that you beat a busted Hornets team and and an exhausted uh, Utah Jazz team. But what it does do, and this is why I'm so enthralled and you know, now and bullish on their future is they are just, they are so professional. And I think that that's often misused, right? Oh, what a pro. Well, but when you really unpack the word pro or what it means to be a professional, believe it or not, just because these guys literally are professionals, not all of them are in the sense that we want and need them to be. You know, especially in the NBA where, you know, you have a couple nights off, then you play. You know, yeah, maintenance day, eh, take, you know, jack up threes with without any recourse. You're not going to get benched, you know. It, it, you pretty much do whatever you want, especially if you're a star in the NBA. But the Knicks are loaded with professionals, guys who just do their job. Hartenstein does his job as well as anybody. Josh Hart, I'm not, obviously Brunson's the man, super, su- su- super star. 
Brunson. Not star. Superstar. Hart. Look what this guy does. Every loose ball goes for it. Every, you know, long rebound carom goes for it. Get him downhill in transition. Get into the bucket. Somebody's open. Pass. He's, I mean, it's such a perfectly constructed team. And don't confuse my, you know, my anointing them the best run team in New York currently as a team that's going to win a championship this year. Those are two very different conversations because they're building it, you know. But last night, even Achua, you know, he was the throw-in. He was the ancillary piece. Oh, nice. We got OG. Yeah, Achua, whatever, you know. I mean, if you're a big St. John's fan, you remember Achua's brother playing for St. John's. You probably remember him getting drafted, Precious Achua. No, I probably don't know a ton about him, you know. And now he's starting to play board. He's putting in almost 20 points at threes. <laughs> so it, it's just, it's an absolute pleasure. That place is rocking. The um, the belief, like there's always been Nick fans, but once the conviction really seeps into the fan base, like, oh, we, we can mess around and do something this year. There is no arena like the Garden. It is on fire every night. And, you know, I told you this. After the Denver game, the Knicks are officially and will be the rest of the way must watch. Knicks are on. Even you as a fringe fan, you must watch. Good stuff. All right. 877-337-6666. We got three. Uh, even, though, uh, even though Sal was out, we'll do three RQ next hour. Three random questions on this Wednesday, BT and Sal. And tomorrow, provided Sal is back. Game four, the BT and Sal Baseball Card World Series. I'm up two to one. Sal punched back the other day, so he'll either try to tie it up or I'll get uh, a nice three to one lead. We shall see. Uh, let's get Dave in Maplewood, New Jersey, BT and Sal. What's happening, Dave? <laughs> Guys, I-, I don't know whether this is funny or sad, but well, it's not funny. that article sure. just confirms everything that we knew about the Jets and Sala. Sala is not the guy. I mean, you guys said it in, in, you know, in, in preseason workouts. He's not the alpha guy. That's Rodgers, and they'll never win with him as coach. And the sad thing is we're going to have this conversation next year about who the coach of the Jets is going to be. Now, Matt, even if Rodgers is healthy, he hasn't been healthy in two years, by the way, not just this year, and he has a great year, you can't rely on Salah. I mean, it's a circus under him. Yep. And the sad thing is this year there's an opportunity to get a historic coach of this team. There's guys out there. And because we're all in on Rodgers, we're not going to do it. And because of that, we're going to be having this conversation next year. Who's the next coach of the Jets? Well, I'll tell you what I would do, Dave. You know, you're absolutely right. If I owned the Jets, I'd tell you the conversation I'd be having right now. I'd be writing together my words as I introduced Mike Vrabel as the new head coach of the Jets. That's what I would be doing. Now, I know that the low-hanging fruits, Belichick, not interested. With all due respect, I think he's past his prime. I think there's a real reason why everybody passed up on him. The Falcons interviewed 14 people. 14. So, and if you want him, I, I get that, but I'm not even going down that road today because you know where I stand. The Here's what's here's what's really most uh, alarming about this situation. Again, we knew that the Jets hinged all of their hopes this season with a Hail Mary fling for an aging Hall of Fame quarterback. Uh, and I understood why they did it. You know, Wilson didn't work out, really mostly because of the Jets' fault, you know. And, and Zach's going to own it as well, and Zach will be gone. But you could very easily do a show on how the Jets failed Zach rather than Zach failing the Jets, but we won't. Uh, so they take a Hail Mary, and they take a shot. 
GM hanging on for dear life, head coach hanging on for dear life. I don't want to say that the owner's in battle because unless you do something illegal, they can't, they're not going to strip the team away from you. But, you know, in the court of public opinion, he's been skewered, you know, and I do believe really truly Woody does want to, he does spend, like Woody wants to win. He's not disengaged to the point where you're like, how we don't have an owner that cares? He cares. He just hasn't found the right recipe yet. And that's that's a problem. But what's even worse, aside from the obvious and the percentages of that Hail Mary with Rodgers actually working, is that when you pull back the curtain and you see what plagues this team, it is so much more deeply embedded that even with a new coach, it's going to take some undoing and reprogramming of the DNA to even get it right. That's how that's how messed up it is. Rich is in South Jersey. What's happened to Rich? Richie. Hey Brandon, how are you? Hey Rich, how you doing, man? Good. A couple Good. of couple of points. Okay. Uh, I got three points. Number one, uh, everybody knew who Rogers was, and uh, it seemed to he he's a new man. He he's out of uh, Green Bay, and he's going to have a new character. Mm-hmm. He's uh, egotistical. I don't want to say the rest of it. Yeah, you don't like him. I got cares you. About Aaron, just cares about Aaron Rodgers. And all the Jet fans accepted him. They, with him, they accepted the new general manager and the new coach. Yeah. Make all the moves. Well, that's, that's what, you know what, one. by the way, Rich, real fast, that's what, that's what desperation does. It forces you yeah. to either overlook or accept things that you might not ordinarily be okay with. Point number two, keep going. Uh, staying on football, just a small point. Yeah. And then I'll get to the next. Uh, everybody thinks Tomlin is the, uh, you know, a, a fantastic coach. Uh-huh. And I agree. Uh-huh. Me too. Everybody thinks, everybody thinks McCarthy could be, you know, p- pushed and shoved around. When you look at their records in every single category, they're almost exactly equal to each other. Mm-hmm. And one has this great reputation, one's a loser. Okay, number three, the Knicks. Mm-hmm. I'm a Knicks fan, yeah. and I'm really happy. Yeah, you should one, be, Rich. The one thing that they that they've been lax on mm-hmm. is the structure of the uh, roster. The twenty man roster has twelve guards, four forwards, and four centers. Okay, it, 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 they they got to move some of those guards. They're going to, and, Rich. And, Hey, Rich, Rich, think about this, pal. And thank you for the call. Have an awesome day. Appreciate it, Rich. Think about the biggest problem that Rich just identified. There's a couple too many guards on the roster. Got to make a trade. Free them up. (laughs) Think about the avalanche we were trying to remove ourselves from. Eddie Curry's contract. Marbury's contract. Isaiah Thomas's presence. Phil Jackson, that clown. Didn't even want to be here. You know what I mean? I, I, I think that we can handle... Maybe a little bit of a top-heavy guard-oriented roster. I'm not saying you're wrong, Rich, but, hey, if those are our problems, we in good shape. 877-337-6666. BT and Sal on the fan. Call us. 877-337-6666. Powered by Paramount+. Plus. Stream the NFL on CBS live on Paramount+. Plus. Two back on the fan. Brandon's here to Sal the Cotta Show. It's BT and Sal in the middays on the fan. 
6666. Hopefully my guy, your guy, Sal's back tomorrow. Uh, all right, before we get back to these jet calls here, a little giant note for you here. I think it's going to be a very good offseason for the Giants, but I think it's also going to be the most painful one that you've had in a long time. You got you to move on from Saquon. You got to do it. So, just to connect the dots, and I understand Saquon, you know, seeking this. Saquon basically told the Giants, hey, do me a favor. Just don't drag this out again. Let me know what your intentions are, and we'll go from there. Like, for the first time, even some of his comments at the end of the year, Saquon seemed inwardly resigned to the first time. Last year, he was pissed. And I don't blame him, because he should be making a whole lot more money. But I think the anger has been replaced by almost an understanding and a resolution that, you know what, this is the business, and the position I play, it's different. I think he's amenable to moving on, because he wants to make more money. And I think that he is, you know, at least part of his brain compartmentalizing what life would be like without giant colors on him, okay? Now, Shane said that, I I guess Saquon was going to Africa to shoot a a Super Bowl commercial, so Shane, Shane basically said that we'll get together with his people at the Combine and start flushing through this year. All right. Do you really tag him again? I mean, does that make any sense? It makes no sense. Do you give him a long-term deal? That makes no sense. Unless he just gives you a massive hometown discount, which if I'm Saquon, I ain't doing. I'm not doing that. No way. No way. It just makes sense for him to move on. You know, what does he have? Maybe maybe two more years at, at peakish Saquon? Maybe three? Maybe? If he can even stay healthy, which is a big part of the problem. Um, I'll say I'll say two two peak years. Go somewhere, you know, that's that's gonna give you some bread. And as the Giants rebuild, you're gonna have a chance to play for, you know, certainly in meaningful, a lot of meaningful games, and hopefully a Super Bowl. Because the Giants aren't there yet. I think we all know that. And from the Giants' perspective. And I don't want to use the word rid because that's disrespectful. That, that's certainly not my intention. But they they rid themselves. I'll just use it here to, to transition. <clears throat> excuse me, to transition. They rid themselves of a big financial headache that now seeps into the P- PR aspect. That's the problem with the whole Saquon stuff. I think if they sit down, well, I know this, and they pragmatically evaluate what he's worth, where he's at in his career, where they are as a team, the entire running back market, his injury history, his charisma, oh, I mean, literally everything. You know, on, on an intellectual level, not emotional, they will deduce, time to move on. But then you incorporate the other stuff, which is less tangible, but almost more powerful. The fan reaction, the emotion, the energy. And that's why, in a lot of ways, this will, not for the Giant fan, but for Shane it will be an, an easier cut. He didn't draft them. So I think sentimentality is easily pushed aside here. And Saquon is the he is he is unbelievable, man. I think I told you the story. This was obviously over the summer. My son's playing in a in a baseball in a in a district baseball game in Montville, right? Maybe June? I think I think it was mid to late June. Saquon wasn't signed yet. Jones had had signed. And I'm coaching third, and I there's this buzz on on the you know we're on the baseball diamond turf, 
and there's a buzz on the football field turf. And it's Saquon and it's Daniel Jones. Just trying to get some, I guess, Saquon lives in Montville. Trying to get some work in. Quietly. Before you know it, there's, I mean, there's 300 kids. It's like, it's like everybody following Rocky when Rocky's running through Philadelphia. These guys just want to, you know, get the rust off and get together. And, and they can't even really do it. And they were so amazing. So cordial. So awesome. Like, so authentically awesome. Not like, oh, all right, we got busted here. We got, you know, let's just pretend. Just so authentically amazing to these kids that looked at them like like they were superheroes because they are when you're eight eight years old at that point on the team I was coaching. You know, it, 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 great guy. It's time to move on from a football point of view. It's time to move on. I think they will, and if they don't, it's because they get a massive discount. Which, if I'm Saquon, I wouldn't give them. Um, and I do not expect happening a- at all. Like, he's going to get more money somewhere else. And and at this point, probably a little more appreciation, even though you can't you know, bring appreciation to the bank, necessarily. Well, yeah, I mean, you can in the form of the check. That's the biggest form of appreciation, but you know what I mean. So it, it's it's tricky for the Giants here. It really is. 877-337-6666. BT and Sound on the fan. Back to you. Obviously talking a lot of Jets in this, this I mean, this scathing piece uh, at just how messed up the even more than we thought. They are a mess. This athletic article. Richie's in East Iceland. Rich, what's happening? Yeah, Saquon's going to be in Dallas next year. You watch. He's going to have a, a huge year there, too. He might be. Um, he might be. You uh, Yeah, it's over. That's over with. Um, the other thing on the golf before I go to the Jets. Yeah. Uh, this this is the first time we're gonna watch Pebble Beach Pro Am because they 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 shortened the field to seventy. Okay. Every one of these prima donnas had to go, so Rory's gonna be there. Um, I'm not calling Scheffler one of them, but like all the big names that are left on the PJ Tour will be playing in in the PJ uh, Pebble, which obviously is one of the five best courses that you know we'll see on TV yeah. during the PJ season outside the majors. So, I mean, to see that and ha- that, not, they're going to include basically the celebrity tour where the players can play, like the, the celebrities are players. Yeah. They're not going to be CEO hacks out there or, you know, the, the best friend of this guy is going to be yeah. out there. None of that's happening this year. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how that yeah, plays I always, out. Yeah, I always watch Pebble Beach. I mean, there's nothing. I mean, that's just pure therapy where you're sitting on your couch yeah. and it's freezing outside and you get to but see the, the, the ocean. I can't listen to Nance kissing all the CEO's asses and going through all this crap. <laughs> I just, this year's I'm really looking forward okay. to it because it's going to be a, it's gonna be a real event where, you know, these guys, are, they're bringing Bringing out the best players, and a lot of times, you know, like Mickelson would be there. Yes. Tiger went like once or twice. Uh, he, no, Tiger went more than that. Stop, Tiger. What? T- yeah. Absolutely went more than that. Come All right, on. so look, let's go into this Jets thing. Let's go. Uh, this is the way I'm looking at it, and I look at you know, I, I, I can't, you know, like I record a lot of the calls that I have with you guys because the Odyssey app is great. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I had one from two years ago. Where I was talking to you about how he was the worst coach in football, Salah, yeah, and you were still defending him. Yeah, then. You know, you, you actually. And then a year after it, you were kind of wishy-washy. Yeah. Now you're totally in, like everyone, just like everyone else. Yeah, he stinks. Here's how I'm looking at it. Yep. Next year is going to be a gift for us for everything to go bad because all these great coaches, they're not even getting hired right now, mm-hmm. which is, we're getting really lucky right now. And I think Tomlin's going to be on the market next year also on top of it because that, that Rooney 
that Rooney quote that came out a couple days ago, how he was discussing, you know, I'm tired of not winning in the playoffs while he gives him Pickett as a quarterback and, you know, after Rothenberg, what, what was Tom was supposed to do there, you know? So I know that that, that is, that ship's sailing as we see it right now, right? Because mm. he had one more year left on the contract. So he even may be there. Rabel's going to be there. Belichick's going to be there. Carroll's going to be there. There's going to be a lot of options and none of them want to be tied to Rodgers and Rodgers will be gone because I can't see this team. I think going to short, fall short. It's not even more predictable. It's, it's almost like guaranteed money in the bank. We can all see it. What, what, what is Douglas going to do any different in this draft that he had the, you know, the one draft where every player was basically gifted to him yeah. as they came. Every, every one of Jets. Well, I mean, hopefully hits on, I'll tell you, hopefully hits on an offensive line, man. Let's start with that, Rich. I mean, yeah, maybe can we do that? It shouldn't be so elusive here. You know, I, listen, a couple of years ago, and I believe in this, you know, even Adam Gase, you know, when somebody's hired, unless it is, like, so clearly, uh, you know, just nonsensical. And I know that, you know, certainly now, the Gase hire looked nonsensical. Adam Gase is twice the coach Sala is. Twice! With an inferior <laughs> roster, he won more. And he was okay with the Dolphins. He had Tannehill. Tannehill got hurt. Hey, you know, he was not as – now, he was awkward. He was socially awkward, and that obviously added to a perception of uh, this choppy, you know, not made for New York and probably not even made for the NFL appearance. Like, the symbolism, it just didn't match. But he actually did a much better job than Sava. But, no, like, when somebody's brought here – I mean, I always try to illuminate a positive. I Again, now, when I turn, I, I generally turn forever – but as our last caller just said, you know, when he called me two years ago, I guess that w- would have been with Teak. And I, I said, I believe in Robert. And they, I, yes, I mean, it was a year into his tenure. Why wouldn't I? Their base of talent was horrendous. That's the guy that I wanted them to hire. I'm not going to hide from that. Go find some old tweets. That's the guy that I wanted. I remember tweeting, he's in the building. Don't let him leave. And they did. And they still got him. Like, woof. Wow. I wish they didn't. You know, but. He's just not the guy. That is just, that's painfully obvious. Anthony's in Colonia. I want to touch on that Nick stuff from before. What up, Ant? Hey, BT. Um, just, I got a quick thank you. I got to say to you guys, and then I got the, that Nick's question for you. Okay. Uh, just, uh, I, I work with my dad, and uh, he's been, we, he's getting his third hernia fixed. He actually just had the surgery yesterday. So I've been sitting at home for a month with my little boy. And I just want to thank you and Sal. My heart goes out to Sal uh, today dealing with what he's dealing with. But just I really appreciate you guys kind of getting me through this. I've been watching so much Blues Clues lately. I, I can't <laughs> take it anymore. And I just I, uh, I just really appreciate you guys. You know, you guys are helping me through this time. Nah, that I'm going nah this. dude. You got, I hope your pops is okay. And for those who missed it, hopefully Sal's back tomorrow. Uh, obviously dealing with something serious on the family side. And uh, we're thinking of you, buddy. I think Sal's back tomorrow. He'll appreciate those kind words, and and we appreciate that about the show. Thank you very much, Anthony. Oh uh, yeah, man. Thank and thanks for wishing my dad uh, well. No um, doubt, no doubt. So the Knicks, I, I okay. So what's the best way to word this? Um, is there? Do you think there exists a trade that they can pull off that somehow, in the end, turns this Randall injury into a, a positive, where they swing a trade somewhere to compensate for his absence? Mm-hmm. And then he comes back, and that trade is still there. You know what I mean? And okay. now the team somehow got better yep. through, through the injury. And then, then, then maybe 
I don't know. I don't want to talk like an idiot, but then maybe we're not really just talking about conference finals. Maybe now we're talking about finals. I, listen, Anthony, I don't, I don't think it's absolutely crazy to say that the Knicks can win the championship this year. I wouldn't bet on it, but to say that it's preposterous and just, you know, out, outlandish to even have the conversation based on matchups and based on health, I, I don't think that that's accurate. Now, it's funny you bring that up, Ann. And again, thanks for the call. And again, hopefully your pops is, is doing better. The Blues, I never, Blues clues were never anything I had to deal with. It was other stuff. Blippy. Oh, that guy drove me nuts. Blippy was like a, like a Pee Wee Herman knockoff. But he was good. He was educational. But that mute Blippy and the, the wacky outfit. The guy was just so happy in a, in a weird way. Hop, do you remember Blippy? Do you remember? You know Blippy? I know Blippy, yes. Well, I'm Blippy. very familiar with Blippy. It's yeah, not Blippy. very appealing. <laughs> Blippy. Who's worse? Or who's uh, harder to tolerate in longer doses? Pee Wee? Who's no longer with us, of course, the great Pee Wee Herman. Uh, or Blippy. I mean, I think Pee Wee was much easier on the appetite. You I think mean, so? Yeah, no question. I mean, that that was my era. I well, grew up we were, with Pee-wee. We were younger, so yeah. Exactly. But I mean, but, as an adult. But he made movies, too, that were really oh, awesome I and I unforgettable. I saw him. Blippy has it. I mean, if he makes a movie, I don't want to watch it. I have <laughs> I no you. interest. No, I understand. All right, so let me just uh, address something about that Nick call there. Here's the thing. And the question was, is there a move that they can make? And it's a good question that while Randall is out, whomever the person that comes in, and I've got a name for you in a minute, comes in, um, works his way in sync with the core, and then when Randall comes back, Randall sees how things have evolved a little bit, and then Randall is able to further augment his game. That That's what I took out of the call. All right. Well, yes, I believe that there is. And it's not Murray. It's DeMar DeRozan. That is the guy that I want. Because DeMar DeRozan is the kind of guy, you know, in Boston, you know, down in Philly. I'm not as worried about Philly. I'm just not. But Boston, Milwaukee, the Cavs will be tough. Pacers, whether it's Thursday or in the playoffs, going to be tough. That Pacers team's going to be tough. All right? On the road in any one of four or five venues in the Eastern Conference, can I see DeMar DeRozan sticking a game winner? I could. I could. I could see him getting to the line with his craftiness and his mid-range game. Yep. And he wouldn't come here to play 35 minutes. You know, play 24 to 28, depending upon the night, the matchup. So that's one aspect. And he's veteran enough, and he wants to win. So you would think that whatever egos there would be suppressed enough for the benefit of the team. The other thing, and this is independent of an acquisition, this is about the roster now. And I think this is a good thing. Provided Randall comes back. Like, if Randall doesn't come back, season's over. And we believe he's coming back strongly. But until we get that, like, it's still a little nebulous. Like, come on. You heard Woj's report two to three weeks. It's not, I don't know, it's not as concrete as I want it to be. But I'm optimistic. But if he doesn't come back, it's over for this year. I also think there's great value in... The couple of weeks that Randall heals, the other players on the team, not only gaining confidence, but finding deeper roles. Like, obviously, McBride, even before Randall went down, playing more. You know, I, I think that there's that's DiVincenzo, based on just needing to take more shots, has gone from, you know, a super sub to, I mean, a guy looks like a star, all of a, and, and I've always loved him. Hey, yo, but he's playing... Imagine like an efficient John Starks. That's what he looks like. 
So he's gaining some ownership. You know, his fingerprints are more on the team now. And I think that when Randall comes back, you know, it's not about, oh, okay, Julius is back. Let's fully acquiesce and let's just go back to the Brunson and Randall show. No. The onus will be on Julius Randall to slightly adapt how he plays. And I believe that he will. And I believe that's a big advantage for the Knicks. Chargers and the New York Giants have exchanged their draft picks. When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. Eli Manning and Philip Rivers. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. All right, BT and Sal, it's uh, 11.25 back on the fan here. Brandon Tierney, Sal, the Cotta Show. So, um, Zoo is, is around the studio today, and Zoo just popped in for a moment, and you get that big Zoo energy. And, I, you know, I was thinking about this, like, everybody is on fire here with the Knicks, you know? Boomer and Geo going to represent the Knicks, you know that. You don't mean Sal have it on lockdown. I mean, we are going to be all over this. Big Zoo, Loogie. I mean, the Knicks fans are on fire. Gallo, right? It's fun. 877-337-6666. So if you just tuned in, uh, a couple things. This athletic report, or this report in the athletic, probably a better way to phrase it, is uh, even more disconcerting than we thought about the problems that run very deep and plague the Jets. They are an absolute, unmitigated disaster. And they are hopeless. And if they win, they will win in spite of Robert Sala. Uh, also talking Knicks, of course, the Saquon stuff. Let's get back to you guys, Charlie and Beth Page. Charlie, how you doing today, bud? What's happening? Hey, Tay, why do we go go down this road with my Jets? I'm trying to put them in the rearview mirror. You keep picking at that Jet scam and letting it bleed on me. It's trying to heal. But you, we keep talking about Salah. How many times I got to raise? You got to raise my blood pressure. But this was the year it shows you where our Jets are as an organization. You couldn't get a better coach and staff to pick with the amount of coaches, the head coaches that were out there this year. Belichick, I wanted nothing to do with him. Grable, I'll be all over Grable. He was proven guy down in Tennessee, and that's the kind of guy I want. And he's a leader. But they will not make a change, and this is what we have, and it's a disgrace uh, because, again, he's a, we would go out and hire another guy who's not a proven head coach. We'll go with guys who are great offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators, Bowles, Rex Ryan. I love Rex, mm-hmm. but he wasn't a great head coach. No. He's a defensive coordinator. Bruce Coslin going that far back. Yeah. We don't know how to pick a head coach, no. and we're never going to get it right. And it's, it's upsetting. Well, Charlie, hold on, buddy. Let me, let me throw your lifeline here. Let me just remove one word from the sentence uh, among several sentences that you used. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to delete the word never. I'm not going to use the word never. I'm not going to say they're never going to get it right. Because look at the Knicks. Look at the Knicks. I mean, we sat here for years... Some of us in different chairs, you know, different partners, different networks, different stations, all the different iterations of the Knicks. And we wondered aloud, like, or even some people said said it, and I'm sure I did along the way as well, we're never going to get out of this. We're trapped. We're done. That's it. You know? So I don't say never that often. I would think now... 
if this goes the way it feels like it's going to go and they they underachieve next year and everybody's out, I mean, I can't imagine that the Woody hires another first-timer, like, a, like an unproven. I, then we might start saying never. But I'm going to leave a little sliver of hope out there that I think the next person, whatever that is, I think the next person Woody Johnson hires is going to be somebody who has actually proven to be a coach. Reese on Long Island. Reese, what's happening? BT and Sal, how you doing today? BT, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. Well, yeah, I'm doing awesome with the Knicks, and I'm, uh, I guess, perpetually tormented with the Jets. So well, I'm okay, we'll keep, I guess. We'll keep, we'll keep it on the Knicks for now. Let's I go. Got two quick points. I love the fact that you said they're the best front office in New York. I think we should take that a step farther and call okay. them the best front office in the NBA. Oof. Now, if you look at their body Hold on, Reese. I'll give you time. Hold on. Now, I don't want to get too into the weeds of the rest of the NBA, but the first team that I push back and say, what about the Thunder? Yes. Okay. I think that is a good counter just based on their young players. Okay. They got SGA. And their draft equity. Yep. Now, here, go for it. What do you got? I think the Knicks have that same, maybe not the same draft equity and all that cap space, but if you look at their two trades recently, it's the trade for Hart, which netted us an amazing role player, mm-hmm. and the trade for OG, which at the time a lot of people thought was just OG and then a couple of fill-ins, but Precious is turning out to be a very valuable player on our team, especially with the Randall injury. So that's the trades. If you look at our last three signings, man, we got Brunson, Hartenstein, and DiVincenzo. All on amazing contracts, value-wise. They're all productive, and they're all starting. you got to give credit to the front office. And I think, and if you look across the NBA, I think you bring up a great point about the Thunder, but it's really those two teams that come to my mind. Yeah. Reese, think about this. And, and this is one of the, the things I really hung my hat on yesterday when we were talking about this. And, Reese, thanks for the call. Like, there's not a bad contract on the team. There's not a bad contract on the Knicks. What about Fournier? Asset. Watch when he gets dealt. He's going to get dealt, and he's going to get dealt. DiVincenzo is making like ten or eleven million dollars this year. Jalen Brunson is a max player, making forty-five percent less than he should be. You know, the one contract and bad is strong, maybe undesirable. A little bit better way to frame it. They got rid of him, R.J. Barrett. You know, and that's the other thing that goes into this. It's like. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't been perfectly on Rose. I mean, the whole Toppin thing with Halliburton. I, listen, that night I was I was tweeting, go look at that. Take Halliburton, please, please take him. All right, they whiffed on that. So nobody is perfect. But what I love about this regime, number one, it's airtight. No leaks, no nonsense, especially at that place. No drama, no contentious articles, like just pure professionalism. I can't believe I said that with the Knicks. But when they make a mistake... They don't double down. They don't double down. And, yeah, they, again, foolishly is probably a bit strong, but so I'll say they they misread R.J. Barrett a little bit. They paid him a little bit more than they should have. And then they said, he's not taking that next step. We, we, We told them that, but they didn't listen. That's fine. He's gone. And they got a better player. And they even the other piece they brought into Chua, they started to take over some of these games. Now, Hoff, what is... What is going on with the Jets? So, um, Connor Hughes just put this out, <clears throat> that the Jets have parted ways with their assistant GM, Rex Hogan. 
He's been with the, with the team for five years in the assistant GM role. Mm. Been with the team as a whole for seven years. Okay, okay. I mean, you know, you, you hate to see people lose their jobs, but the timing is, I mean, look at this. The article comes out and, boom, somebody gets fired. So, yeah, I don't know exactly what he did, and I'm not saying he did nothing. I, I just don't know his exact role, you know, how much juice that he really had, but... I mean, something's got to happen. You can't just, you know, go for a walk and and start whistling and, and chirping with the birds. Eh, we're good. I mean, this is such a a takedown piece. Really, the Jets took them. I, I have to take that back. The Jets took themselves down with this because a, a hit piece is when you intentionally try to destroy somebody or paint somebody in such a light that it's almost impossible to recover. This is no, no, no. <laughs> We think things are a little messy. Let's just go knock it on some doors. Wow, it's messier than we thought. That's called journalism. How about John in North Babylon, BT and Sal? What's going on, John? BT, what's happening? I'm good, man. How are you today? Good, good. So I heard I was told, I just got in the car when you were talking about Saquon, and I I know your position pretty much the whole time has been they got to part ways. And coming into the off season, I didn't want that, but just looking at the numbers and what I go on spot track a lot and see what he's worth. Yeah. For all the players. So this year he took that modified tag from Shane for eleven mil with two million as soon as he signed it. Now Spot Track has him valued at nine point nine million per year. So right off the bat he's not going to take a pay cut. So if the math just doesn't work. It does, it, it, the math doesn't work. A three-year deal for thirty mil with what, say, twenty guaranteed? That's not. He's not going to take that. Mm-hmm. That's a pick up from last year, and we got other problems that we that the Giants need to fill on their roster: wide receiver, and you know, as we beat it to death, the offensive line. Yep. So you're going to invest twenty. And, mil and by guaranteed. the way, John, real quick, also backup quarterback. You would think Tyrod Taylor's gone, and you know, who knows oh. how much you really trust to be there to be the backup. Well, that's the whole thing. And you know what? To be honest with you, that's going to be league-wide. You want to talk about people getting raises in this league? It's going to be backup quarterbacks because uh, how many how many quarterbacks made starts this year that weren't the starters? So this, this, the Giants, the Giants have bigger holes, and I hate to say it's Saquon, but, yep. you know, I, I love the guy, and I want him back. You know, Giant for life, the whole thing, does all the right things. He does. This isn't, this isn't a personal thing. It's just. The math doesn't work because let's say he takes eleven mil. What he made this year, mm-hmm. the three year thirty three mil with what twenty two guaranteed? It's too That's much. Still it, not work. No, I, I agree. And let me tell you, it's not personal because John, if it was personal, thanks for the call. If it was truly based on, well, first of all, merit, but also like the personal nature of what John's referencing, <laughs> he we'd bestow him a massive contract because everybody loves him. Sucks. You know, I wish I had a more eloquent way of of describing it. Just flat out sucks. Sucks. I mean, this guy, you know, think about all the NBA. Talking about the NBA a lot here at the Knicks, right? Think about all the NBA players. And they earned it as well, right? But then they get to a point, you got, you know, seventh guys, eighth guys, eighth men, I should say. Like the eighth man on a certain team, like off the bench. You know, teams that aren't even good. 35, 40, $50 million guaranteed deals. And here is a kid, here's a young man, Saquon Barkley, who does everything right, how he comports himself. I know he's been banged up a little bit, but he has charisma. When he's healthy, he is tremendous. And by the way, he's been tremendous with nothing around him. It's not like he's been the beneficiary of some souped-up offense with some brilliant, innovative coach. No, 
They've gone through coaches like we go through underwear. The offensive line stinks, and for the most part, the quarterback play's been below average. And he still gets his. So it's just not fair. But at this point, unfortunately, there's nothing else to dissect. The math doesn't work. That's a good way to put it, John. It should. I wish it did. It doesn't. Let's talk about it. 877-337-6666. Powered by Paramount Plus. Stream the NFL on CBS live on Paramount Plus. A good question. Three random questions. Let's find out. With Brandon Tierney and Sal Licata. On the fan. All right, BT and Sal back on the fan. Get a chance to step away from the uh this uh, ridiculous Jets article. Back to you calls in a minute. Obviously, Saquon stuff, Nick stuff as well. 877-337-6666. So, Sal is off today, and uh, Sal has a list of, like, thousands of questions that we pour through, three each week. So, Hoff is going to be in Sal's spot today. Is this from Sal's list, or did you come up with these on your own? Well, I've helped with his list, list oh. in the past, too. But, no, these are specific. We just made them today. So. Okay. What do you mean, we? You pulling well, Dove into this or I, Spike? I bounced a couple. No, I bounced a couple off of Dove. He didn't like any of them, so I kept them. I felt that, I felt that was good then. <laughs> it's a very wise move. Yes, yes. Good. You want the curveball? Here's the heat. Yeah. Let's go, baby. All right, so here we go. Just off the top, you know what? We're talking about, we're talking about the Jets. Mm. If you could choose any other team in the NFL to root for over the Jets, who would it be? And really, obviously, care about them the way I care about the yeah. Jets. Like, if I was able to hit that button, and whatever team I tell you right now is that team. That's it. Oh, man. Which team would it be? I'm tempted to say Dallas, because Jen's from Dallas. And, I mean, that would be awesome, even though they haven't won. But they're always, you know, relevant. And yeah, that's fun. But it's heartbreaking, the same thing. I, you know, I'm going to say Dallas. I am. Harmony at home. Mm. You know, further, more harmony. No, I'm not implying that there's no if you took Jen, harmony, If you but. took Jen out of it. And if Jen, I took Jen out yes. of it, if I took Jen out of it, well, who's got the hottest cheerleaders? That's the answer. <laughs> I mean, we go through uh, the list. Yeah, uh. I mean, we got Miami. <laughs> I hate my, I hate Miami. Exactly. There you go. You know, I'd like to find. You know, I got one for you. I'm going to say the Packers. The Packers. The history always bestowed this fantastic franchise quarterback. Even when it looks like it's not going to work out, it does. So whether it's Belichick or or Lombardi, you've got the greatest head coach of all time. You have all-time head coaches, uh, quarterbacks. You've got the best stadium in football. Not the best in terms of aesthetics, but you know what I mean. I would say Packers. Wow. How about you? Uh, Lions? No, well, not Lions. Lions. You know, I, I'll tell you what I was tempted <laughs> to say, and you'll never guess. Uh, the Raiders. No, the Giants. The Giants. Yeah, well, I, I, I feel like you're so not so anti-Giants, well, but I feel like you're just no, it's too I'm, close to home. I'm jealous of the Giants. But if you're giving me a chance to recreate this and pick a different path, I wouldn't be jealous. I'd love them because they gave me four championships. Really? Yes. I'm thinking even, about even, the Giants. Oh, even over all the years of like like you can't pick the Patriots. You'd hate the you'd hate the Patriots. I'm trying to think of teams you you maybe dislike a little more, but okay, well, the Giants. Well, and then think about this: the ten years that I did the show with Tiki, it's like I was doing ten years with Curtis Martin or Freeman McNeil. Mm. He would be, you know what I mean. Yeah. So there'd be a lot of pluses to it. Um, no, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say the Packers. It's Packers. I said, listen, good answer. All right. Thank you. Do you try to? Speaking of Jen, do you try to be creative with gifts for your wife, or do you ask her what she wants? Um, I like an element of surprise. 
Like, one of the, uh, this is true, one of the amazing things about her is that she's not greedy. You know, and we've all dated, you know, who are superficial. That's mm-hmm. why we just stop at dating and we move on. <laughs> we ain't marrying you, <laughs> right? Um, no, listen, she likes nice things like any woman, of course, but she's not motivated by that. And because of that, when I can, when I have the means, I've, 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 I've gotten things that are, are pricey, like, but I, she doesn't expect it. So it makes it, it makes it fun and it makes it rewarding, but she would rather get, and I do this for her cause she's like a kid like this. And I, I'm like this a little bit with Christmas too. It's about the kids. Obviously now, as you know, you have kids, but I, I'll get her eight, nine things, not like eight, nine expensive things, but she enjoys the process of seeing things under the tree unwrapping them and even with a birthday you know wake up to a balloon and you know just a little presentation so i ain't gonna lie to you a lot of times i'm juggling like oh god i gotta go do this now and like i i I, not that i don't want to do it but logistically i almost can't do it but i find the way to do it and um she's appreciative so yeah so so the creativity is there, you yeah. know, and and you don't I think so. You don't even need to know what she wants. You know what she wants. Once in a while, you get the plant. Like if like if the iPad is was on Fritz, you know, like hey, you know, I might need it. Yeah, like the big thing. Um, yeah, I mean, but no, I I I think I instinctually kind of know what she wants. But I, I listen until she gets rid of thirty pairs of shoes. I'm not getting new shoes. <laughs> Throw stuff out, and we'll get you new stuff. Purses. I. How many purses can you have? Right? I mean, it's endless. What, what is the about? appeal with purses? Well, because it has to go with the outfits they oh, wear, goes with the shoes they so wear. Annoying. Come on. And I got to be honest with you, the one thing that I can't stand uh, at BT, and I'm what? not sure if you're the same way, but what? like when people, when women say they've they've already worn this outfit, they can't wear it anybody anywhere else because they've worn it. Yeah. I don't care. I don't you care. You can wear it to every event. I don't. I'm, I, don't give look, a, I don't give a rat's ass. You look I'm barely looking at this point what you're yeah. wearing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding about that. But you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, come on, guys, no, come I, on. Yeah, I do. All right, fi- final one. Yes. We all know man versus bear, okay? Do we really? I don't think anybody well, knows about we man know versus that, bear. We, we know that you were on it, okay? Yes. Well, no, I was. I hosted it. Hosted, 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 hosted. I was hosted. on it. I hosted it. Which game Very versatile. Sh- which game show do you think Ooh. you'd be a great contestant on? I think I'd be awesome at Family Feud. I've, I've always been going back to Dawson. Um who was great. I think I'm, I do watch uh, Wheel of Fortune every night. I record it. You know, I'm, you're a big wheel guy. Well, I'm a big word guy. I'm a big letter guy. And I enjoy yes, the you process. Are a big letter guy. Yeah. You know, I, I do enjoy that. And obviously, you know, Vanna probably sucked me in before I even really liked words, quite frankly. But I mean, she's been, she still looks good. It's been there forever. Uh, I would say that. One from the past. I think I'd be, I always watch Prices Right. I was always in the, well, not always, that's ridiculous, but I'll, generally in the ballpark. You know, high, low, when you have to, like, the furniture comes out. I was generally in the neighborhood. Um, current ones, I, I don't watch any other current ones. Uh, what am I? I'll tell you the one that might actually mess me up. Are you smarter than a third grader or a fourth grader? I don't yeah. know anymore. Kids, could they, they come up with homework. You know, to get 9 plus 8 is 17, or 9 times 7 is 63, or 8 times 7 is 56. These things that I just knew from having it slammed in my head by my dad... You've got to show such a weird way to get there. I give up. I tap out. Yeah. I look at my wife and say, 
I can't do this. You do it. I'm done. So I don't that show. And, and if you mess up on that, it's embarrassing. But I, I think I would do pretty decent on most of so, them. So, see, I thought you'd go for like the physical shows, the physical game shows. Not, like, this, not with the like surgeries. American <sighs> Gladiator. Not, you know, at a point, I would love it. I, you know, now, <laughs> I mean, there's certain things physically I could do. But, you know, I, you know, I, I don't want to sound pitiful, but, you know, the surgeries, they catch up with you. So the thing about man versus bear, can I can give yeah. you a quick aside? So we shoot this in Utah. It was a show that I shot on Discovery right before COVID. And I was out in Utah for about, I think it was five weeks. And Teague and I were obviously working together. And CBS, they, they were great. It was because we were on TV. They got me a studio. So I was doing both jobs. All right. And I'm driving from where, Her, or Herbert, uh, Utah, which was about 40 miles from Salt Lake City where the Jazz are. And that's where they had a studio. So I'm driving back and forth. I'm working all day on the show. I'm going to do the show with Teague a couple times a week. I took like one day off a week, maybe two. And the show comes out, and like the promos are badass. Like the whole presentation was, is the bear going to rip this human being to shreds? Like that was the fear factor. And they were real bears. And I was on site, and I saw what they did. Now, of course, there's editing and there's trickery, but they were real bears, and they were in... Close proximity to humans. And when I had to shoot these promos, the bears were like 10 feet behind me. It was terrifying. Then the show comes out, and I'm like, ah, this isn't what we shot. This show was soft. They changed the whole premise because PETA and others started to protest. They're like, ah, are the bears getting, and not to shoot down PETA, but, you know, at all. But they, are the bears getting too distressed, and like they, now they had to soften it and make it seem like we're, we're there rubbing the bear's belly. And the whole tone changed. And then, and the fr- I'll never forget, my Jen set up a huge watch party for the first one. And I'm saying to myself, I'm like, eh, I don't know if this is that good. It's not what I thought it was, right? I was disappointed inwardly. Nobody's really saying anything. Yeah, family's like, oh, it was great. I'm like, nah, I didn't like it. Ratings come out, and we were tied with Tucker Carlson. Now, so whether you you know love Fox, hate Fox, and he's not there anymore, love Tucker, hate him, the guy is a monster viewing machine. First week, we were right there with him. And then... Trump gets impeached. The proceedings start. Everybody stops watching cable. And Man versus Bear goes from I real like very respectably rated over a million people, which they were thrilled with, to maybe say eleventh to like sixteenth to twenty-fourth to, to like thirtieth. Then the executives call me. They're like, hey, we're gonna put the show from Tuesday to Saturday. And when you do that, the show's over. Yeah. And then COVID hit and we had no chance to even shoot season two. That thing, I'm telling you, I'll, I'll never get another penny from that show. If that if there were some different circumstances and they didn't take the soft way out, and I love them, I've got a great relationship with Discovery, and COVID didn't happen, and everything with Trump with the EP would have been a I killer show. Be, I, 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 might, I might be pulling down millions per show. It, <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you. It had, it it's had all a chance. P, it's all Peter's fault. It is. It, listen. It is. I, I did be, you watch it? You didn't watch I, it. I did not watch no. it, no. Why but, not? Well, I because I just I don't think I have Discovery. I have a thousand other channels. <laughs> Discovery. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got you. <laughs> all right, there you go there, Hoppy. 3RQ, appreciate that, buddy. Let me get Phil in Howell, New Jersey. Phil, BT and Sal, what's up, man? Hey, uh, BT, I have a uh, interesting question for you. Okay. Okay, my question to you is, on draft night, do you think that Aaron Rodgers is going to be in the war room with Woody, Joe Douglas, Robert Sala, maybe a couple of scouts and whoever else no is supposed to be in there? No, no chance. No, Phil, I don't. Oh, okay. I don't. I was just, you know. Yeah. I know, okay. uh, Phil, I by the way, I, I know why you're asking, and you know, I'm not shooting you down. That would be the most pathetic visual 
of visuals uh, of all time. Because even in the <laughs> article, they call uh, Joe Douglas the assistant GM, inferring that Rodgers, and we know how everybody yeah. says that, uh, even though obviously Joe is the GM, but they've deferred so much to him. If he was present in the war room, that is an unrecoverable visual. That would be pathetic. No, won't happen. <laughs> okay. One more thing. Can I ask you one more thing about yeah. uh, uh, I have a Saquon Barkley. Go for I, it. Go listen, I'm, I'm not on a Saquon Barkley bandwagon. I'm not saying he's not a good football player. He is a good football player. But what I want from my running back is consistency. I want four yards of pop up the gut. <laughs> yep. That's what I want. And he doesn't give you that. Yeah. He's very, he's feast of famine. He is. I don't disagree I mean, with right? that. I don't disagree. But I don't, I don't think he's alone there, Phil. I get it. You know, you want, but that's kind of an, I don't want to say that that's an antiquated NFL, but it kind of is. You know, the way, I mean, think about this. Like, the amount of times coaches go for it on fourth down, the amount of swing passes and, and short passes they throw, the whole game's changed. So back in the day, there was great value. And I'm not saying there's no value. You know, first and 10, four yards, second and six. All right, not terrible. Probably set yourself up third and two, third and three if you don't get the first down. Manageable. But, you know, back in the 70s, 80s, Parcells' team, the Bears, you know, four, four yards was awesome. But, you know, if you keep doing that, you're generally not going to get the 30 points usually required to win a lot of these games because more offense is necessary. But I hear you. I'm not saying you're totally wrong. Thanks for the call, Phil. 877-337-6666. BT and Sal on the fan coming up. We've got the crowd hit you with the top story. Also get back to these Nick Coles and the Saquon stuff. Love them, but it's time to go. It The math no longer works, un- unfortunately. BT and Sal on the fan. And it takes a knee and the New York Giants are the Super Bowl 42 champions. When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. They knock off the mighty Patriots 17 to 14. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Fan twelve oh three, Brandon Tierney, Sal Licata show. Sal, I believe is back tomorrow. You take as much time as you need, brother. We got you. Um, I said this at the start of the show, and obviously I'm going to do the crown here. But uh, Sal is dealing with uh, with a very serious, a very serious family emergency. So that is why he was off yesterday, and that is why he is out today. So uh, send your prayers towards Sal. And again, I think he's coming in tomorrow. I'll definitely talk to him later off the air. Uh, talked to him yesterday off the air, as did Hoff. Um, but, um, yeah, so definitely more important stuff than, than coming in and doing the show today. All right. Now, yesterday talked about how I think many people are missing the big issue with the Knicks, right? A lot of the, if well, not, not a lot, all of the conversation with the Knicks, really three things. If you think about how this season's been unpacked. Number one, is Jalen Brunson truly a superstar? Stop wasting our time anymore with that. You sound like an idiot if you don't think he is. Number two. Is Julius Randle a legit, reliable number two? All right. We, we, there's elements of debate there. And the third thing was, who are they trading for? That was all the Knicks stuff up until yesterday. When I presented to you that the New York Knicks somehow, some way, <laughs> inexplicably on most levels, at least perceptually, are now the best-run New York sports franchise. Better than the Yankees. 
definitely better than the Giants and definitely better than every. Well, Rangers, my bad. I didn't mean to exclude. Rangers deserve top building there as well. I would say Rangers are actually two. Amazing, the Garden. I'd say Knicks. I'd say Rangers. I'd say Yankees. Then I. Then I might have to incorporate the Isles. Uh, I mean, maybe. I don't know. I don't want to get too in the weeds on that. The point being, Knicks number one. And then today. This article in The Athletic, which, by the way, three hours after it really started gaining traction, the Jets just fired their assistant GM. So he is either a leak or they just determined randomly that he's not good at his job. I, I don't know. All I know is this. I poured through, and I Geo was doing this. That's where I heard it. I poured through 15 pages of sheer terror, if you're a Jets fan, in this article, which is done by, by Zach Rosenblatt, who I don't know. And Diana Rossini, who I do and love. I think she's great. I think Zach's work is good. I don't know him, though. But Diana, I think, is fantastic. I've always liked her. Local kid. So, as I pour through this, there's worries like, you know, how he how he processes losing. But also that, you know, he's the team's culture isn't that good. And there's excuse making. And the head coach is paranoid. And there's a lack of communication from coordinators to other positional coaches who ask for certain things. They reference, you know, week two. And I was there for this game. Week two in Dallas where uh, Dwayne Brown, the uh, the line coach, asked Hackett for help, assuming, you know, Parsons is coming right at Dwayne Brown, and the assumption was right. He had 10 pressures, and Brown got busted, as we knew he would, and Hackett ignored it. So there's just nothing favorable here. And then how Aaron Rodgers basically ghosted Zach Wilson, which is pathetic, and a complete fraudulent representation of what Aaron Rodgers was, was going to do for Zach Wilson, right? And then to get into uh, more um, a lack of attention to detail, different aspects of the team, uh, Alan Lazard was on the record during the season about how they were out-efforted, out-schemed, then Garrett Wilson chimed in, and then it got to stuff Right, And this is the most disconcerting part. And this is why they will never win with Robert Sala. And this is why the Jets are the worst franchise in New York. So listen to this as I read. Sala has the mantra, positive vibes only, printed on T-shirts that coaches and other staffers often wear around the building. The Jets head coach tries to stay optimistic, which I believe that, by the way, around players and in front of the media, and has gone to respect for many in the locker room for cultivating an environment that allows players to be themselves, which I also agree with and, and, and certainly respect. All right? I want to be fair. I don't just want to pile on. But listen to this. Behind closed doors, the vibes weren't always positive. And they never are when you lose, so I get that as well. But listen to this. Especially when Salah would see negative press reports. He would often bring up how, in his mind, the Giants didn't get as much negative coverage as the Jets. Calling it unfair. And then he went into how he bemoaned his bad luck, even so much to go and have somebody put together some sort of, I don't know, slideshow or PowerPoint presentation on how other great defensive coaches, you know, because this is the Fangio stuff, when their starting quarterback went down, how poorly or how poor their records were. Basically building in an excuse. So between the... The lack of attention to detail, the lack of growth with certain positions, and this crazy chaos in terms of managing what's important and what's not. This team is in a complete tailspin. And while I'm hoping they're good next year, I don't have an ounce of faith that they could be. Because I at least thought that I at least thought that while Salva, I knew he contributed nothing on offense. That, that obviously, defensive guy. And I did think that, and I still do, that most of the locker room appreciates him and respects him. But these other things that he's wrapped up in, 
will subvert their path to success because he's worried about stuff that doesn't matter. You know, I just did a speech last weekend up at my alma mater, spoke to the baseball program Marist, right? And one of the things I tell, I, I said this with Sal, I tell my kids a lot, control what you can control. Now, seven and nine-year-old daughter and son don't always process that because they're seven and nine, even though they understand the fundamentals of what that means. Control what you can control. Why the hell is a head coach worrying about press coverage that he can't control? All right? It's wasted energy, which means you're being distracted from your actual job. It's just a massive problem. And I'll go so far as to say that when things, when you need to be at your most poignant, like your most mentally sharp point, I I wonder and I worry just, I mean, how clouded is his judgment based on things that don't matter? Things he can't control. Mess. All right, 877-337-6666. So that was the top story in my eyes. Obviously, the Jet stuff, get back to those Jet calls. The Knicks are rocking, obviously talking a lot about that as well. Corey's in Manalapan, New Jersey. What's up? Uh, Corey, how are you? Uh, good afternoon, and thanks for taking my call. Got it. You know, I'm a, I'm a big Yankee fan and a big Giant fan. And, and to be honest, which I hate all the others, I, I don't like the Mets. I don't like the Jets. But the thing is, the, the Knicks, I remember, I'm going to be 69, so I remember the Knicks when Frazier was there, the Butcher, and those guys. And yep. listen, that's my that's where I came from. Okay. But luck, you know, luck, and by I the way, Corey, to, lucky you. Honestly, lucky you, man. <laughs> I started to watch the Knicks again. Uh, my son-in-law is a big Knicks fan, and he, and he told me, you got to watch them now. And I started to watch it, and now I find myself, every time they're on, putting it on and, and enjoying it, it's amazing how, you know, they really do seem like uh, they're a pretty good team. You know, I mean, they're going to do a couple of things, I think. I think that he's going to have to do a couple of things because I think this Randall injury is going to persist over the course. I hope not. But, listen, you, you, you separate your shoulder, I'm sure. I mean, it's not going to be just uh, I'm going to be back and I'm going to be the same uh, Randall. So, but I thank you for taking my call, and I look forward to listening to you. No, you got it, Corey. Thank you very much, buddy. I, I appreciate that. You're right. I mean, if you haven't been watching the NBA or you're an older fan, you know, my dad grew up on that team as well, so I get you. And not that he ever really stopped watching the Knicks, but he's, he's definitely consuming them more than he did when, uh, I don't know, Alfred Payton was the point guard. But he never tapped out. Um, when he watches them now, I would imagine that he probably sees what our last caller and some older fans of, of the Knicks see. And that is great uh, accountability, professionalism. Uh, I, I think a very identifiable allocation of roles. That's one thing about this team. Like, I, I don't really hear anybody else saying this too much either. You know, Tom Thibodeau's taken a lot of heat over the years for, you know, the minutes and running guys into the ground. Okay, okay. I also said yesterday, I think he's changed a lot. Because if he didn't, the modern NBA wouldn't accept his, his antiquated methods. He softened a bit. I do think he's a little bit less of a taskmaster. I think like Coughlin. You know, he, now Coughlin got called out. I think that I personally, I can't prove this, but I personally think that Tom Thibodeau just looked inwardly and started to adjust a little bit based on his own instincts. All right. Either way, he's changed, which is great. 
But what he does really well, aside from having this team ready to play defense and compete every night, play with integrity, I use the term the allocation of roles. Every guy on this team knows what they're expected to do. Think about it. There's there's nothing ambiguous about like what the Knicks are trying to do. Like, ah, what is this, is this guy going to fit here? Or know, is this guy going to play tonight? Or, wow, this guy played 31 minutes one night and then he played two the next, you know? I'm not saying Tom's perfect, but he's good. He is good. And he has his, like, his pulse of this team is about as perfect as it could be. Really. He's doing a great job. We got Pete and Seaford. Pete, BT and Sal. What's up, Pete? Hey, BT. How you doing? Good, man. Um, you know, quick quick Jets point, then I'll get to the next point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, this is a sort of report. I, I don't think it's too late to move on from these coaching staff. This coaching staff is all I'll say. I, I, they, there's still time because what are they going to do? They're going to send Aaron to, to do spin on this and, and try to discredit everything that Rosenblatt and Diana Rossini had to say. It's not going to work. Aaron Rodgers, because of his political opinion, is like a low-credibility guy in the national spotlight. He's not going to be able to put the spin on this, and, and, and Woody's reputation isn't great either. I, I, this is a story that's going to hang over this team, but I'll, I'll leave that there. On to the Knicks. Leon Rose, you're 100% right. Best run organization in New York right now. Yesterday I was talking to my buddy, and, and I, I kept referring to the Ananobi trade as the Precious Achua trade. This guy was a throw-in that Raptor fans were saying in Raptor fan circles that he's like this low-eye basketball IQ, almost like a JaVel McGee type. He's been wonderful. Yeah. I mean, he has been wonderful. He played, He's long. He plays good defense. His feet move mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. He's done, he doesn't foul a lot. He put up 18 points last night on an efficient night against the Jazz team. That was kind of a, a revenge game for the Knicks. You, the, the Jazz game earlier this season, I remember. Utah, was one of the bad losses that this one of the I, few bad losses this team has had this season. I remember. I was and, watching it. I was watching Col- it with my dad. My dad was over. My, I was watching it with my dad. They, they, I remember very well. And Colin Sexton poked the bear last night. Yeah. And and Jalen made him pay. And Jalen had a quiet first half too. The Jazz have a lot of length, and length length is the one thing that will continue to bother this Knicks team, which is why I think it's so crucial that they still, even though Deuce has played well and Deuce has made up for the lack of the scoring that quickly left behind, Deuce is not a, a great ball handler. He can't run the pick and roll. Yeah, I agree. They, they, and, 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 neither, and I love Josh Hart. You know, if, if you could combine Josh Hart and Dante DiFingenzo into, into one player, he would probably be a top-five player in the league. But, but it, it, Josh Hart can't handle the ball either. Mm-hmm. They still need to add a real backup point guard. I hope Kyle Lowry shakes free from the Hornets. I think, forget the Villanova thing, even though that kind of matters for this team. I think he's the perfect 15 to 18 minute a night. Another guy with a playoff pedigree. Another guy with a ring. Leon Rose, Dante DiFingenzo has a ring. OJ Ananobi has a ring. Leon Rose, I don't care if he ducks the media for the rest of his time in New York. Leon Rose is the best executive this city has seen in a very, very long time. He's been incredible, Pete. There's just no way around the good call. He nailed a lot of things about the Knicks. I don't doubt that... uh... That you watch every single second of the game, of every game. And the thing about Achua, you're right. I mean, he's always been a little raw, and he's obviously the throw-in. But and there was a play last night. I was I was genuinely surprised where, you know, he was pinned down on the play. It was on offense. And he was in the post, and he had his guy pinned down. But he's not very adept with the footwork, and he's not very fluid offensively. He's not, he's not useless, but he's raw, as I just talked about with Pete. And he got the ball, and they even said it. And Breen even said, wow, such a patient move. 
were like I, I think it may have been the third quarter. It was definitely second half. He caught the ball and he just like waited and sized up his defender and properly used his pivot foot. You can see him thinking his way through. It was very mechanical, but he got it done. And, you know, I'm not saying he's going to be an 18-point-per-game guy moving forward, but he's not a zero. That is for absolute sure. He's not a zero. 877-337-6666. All right, we're inside of our Town Fair Tire studio. Friends at Town Fair remind you that you always get the guarantee lowest price on name-brand tires from Connecticut to Maine. Nobody beats Town Fair Tire Nobody. Let me get, uh, how about Carmine in Eatontown? Carmine, BT and Sal, what's up? BT, how you doing, brother? I am good. What's happening, buddy? Severe, severe pain with the Jets with you. Unfortunately, like you, I root for the Mets. And that's something that got me Mm. to my point. Two weeks ago, I threw my hands up. And while we're kicking the tires on this one, we're, we're, we're looking at get, going after this one. We want Wandy Peralta. They're spending nothing. They're spending nothing. They're not going to. And then today I read an article that said to me, oh, my God, this is what it is. I'm like, I thought for sure they were going to be spending money this year. Mm-hmm. I said, I don't care. They, they, I was liking that they cut ties with the other guys. I'm like, okay, eat the money, but now. Don't go after the 40-year-olds. Yeah. And then what do they do? I read this article that says that there's some possible problem with senators that are, as he's going after this casino, yeah. that that, and I'm saying, that's it. He ain't spending a damn dime. And we're sitting here, and Sal, everyone, we're looking for a DH. We're getting nothing, Steinink, and nothing. <laughs> you know that. Yeah. Um, I'm not laughing at your plan. I'm just laughing at the way he framed it at the end there. I got you. Listen, Carmine, there's a reason why I think the Mets are going to be bad this year. I mean, I'm not just pulling that out of my head. I agree. I already, I won't spend a, I won't spend a dime this year. I don't care if they somehow win 10 games in a row. Yeah. I, I believe like you, they're going to trade, uh, Alonzo. I, I kind of would like, I understand it. When you, when you say the way you've said it, it's not, that you're needling to be a Yankee fan. I really feel you're, you're pretty you're pretty even. But uh, I know for sure they're going to screw this up. And if they trade him, <laughs> forget about next year. Until they actually, as you say, until they change things, things don't change. Things don't change. And mm. they don't go after big free agents and ever succeed. They always, you know, they. I would say that here. Let me help you with the negotiating. Here's what the. This is what we're willing to offer you. It's on the table until you leave. You're not shopping it. You once you get out the door, the deal is no good. Wouldn't that be a better way of doing it rather than constantly having people play against us? Yeah. And then get the old. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I got you, Carmine. I mean, oh, dude, I wish I had something better for you. I mean, I'm listening to the radio going home yesterday, and Evan, who and that, that beard might be shaved pretty soon if he could beat Mirage. When is that pickleball game? Although I actually think Sean's going to win. I think it's tomorrow. It's tomorrow? I think so. Who do you think is going to win? I think Sean's going to win. I think that Sean's the better athlete. Yeah, I don't he, know he definitely is. I mean, Evan keeps making fun of Sean, calling him like a slob. I think I think Sean's a superior athlete. Not even close. Will Sean throw it, though? Why the hell would he throw it? Evan's the... Yeah, Evan needs to shave his beard. Evan's, Evan's the what? Evan's host one. He's host three. 
Stop, dude. We know that. He's like a kiss his ass because uh, he's got a higher profile and his name's on the show. Stop. That's the, it's Actually, Sean, and I'd have more respect as host three, if you want to label that, coming after host one and saying, I'm going to take you down. And I'm going to take that number one mic. Nah, you got it. <laughs> I'm messing around with that. But there's no way he's going to throw it because Evan's name is on the marquee. That, that's ridiculous. He's going to beat him. Evan's going to lose. Anyway, the point is, I'm listening to the station, all right? And I'm listening to Evan, who's an awesome, awesome, awesome fan. Crazy, out of his mind, but awesome. And he's begging for a bat. Begging. You know, truly begging. Go find it on the Free Odyssey app. Go to our YouTube WFAN page. Not clamoring. Not asking. Begging. You have a grown man reduced to begging just for a competent bat. I thought it was King Cohen. What happened? Hmm. All right, 877-337-6666. Uh, <laughs> now, now, this is where if Sally Boy's here, we're going tooth and nail. Oh, yeah. The fan is better when you're a part of it. Call us at 877-337-6666. Powered by Paramount+. Plus. Stream the NFL on CBS live on Paramount+. Plus. All right, good afternoon, everybody. It is uh, BT and Sound. Good afternoon. Sounded a little bit like that, didn't it? How are we today? Uh, call the number 10. We'll do it here. Dice Man, who wants to go check him out? Andrew Dice Clay, 866-540-WFAN. And that's your chance to put a pair of tickets to see the Dice Man at Carnegie Hall, 866-540-9326. And it's coming soon, February 15th. Plus, you qualify for the grand prize. And that is a ticket upgrade to Dice's show and a $100 gift card for Valentine's Day. All from our friends at Live Nation. To purchase tickets, visit LiveNation.com. The Dice Man back at it, February 15th, Carnegie Hall. Uh, listen again tomorrow at the same time, 1230-ish, for another chance to win here with BT and Sal. 877-337-6666. It is BT and Sal. Uh, happy shout-out and a happy birthday. Big shout-out to our guy, 71st birthday, the legend, John Minko, WFAN royalty, and the voice of St. John. So happy birthday, Mink Man. He is in Cincinnati right now. Can I tell you real quick? So... The, um, you know, the net rankings and all that stuff, the metrics that apply to college basketball. So, obviously, with Patino, you know, th- this is this is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And one thing about St. John's, when, when they're even remotely competitive, remotely competitive, St. John's gets covered like a pro team. They get more coverage than the Islanders. They get more coverage than the Devils. They get more coverage than really good Seton Hall basketball teams. They get more coverage than Rutgers football. They just do. They've got that profile, even though it's obviously dissipated big time over the years, and, and Rick is here to restore that. But you should know a couple things fast before I get back to these calls. So they are in really good shape. Like right now, they're absolutely a tournament team. This is a big week. So the game tonight at Xavier, Xavier, I want to say, is 51st in net ranking. And and that'll be, I believe that's still a quad too, but that will be an incredible road win, you know, metrically. And then Saturday, you got number one UConn coming to the Garden at noon. So you get up, you go to the bar, have a couple Bloody Marys, get to the Garden, L-I-double-R, put a brown bag over the cold beer, whatever you're doing. And 
you know, I, I don't know if St. John's going to win, but I'll tell you this. It, it, and they almost won up at stores, but they didn't have their big man. UConn is incredible. They are really tough. But this buzz, this will be the biggest buzz at that place for a St. John's game this century. And uh, I, I think it's going to be a rewarding finish. They're going dancing. This is this is going to happen for St. John's. So they got a good team. Not great. Not a great team. Good team. And it's Patino. So you have extra trust. All right. 877-337-6666. But again, happy birthday to the Mink Man. Let me get Tom in Lavalette, uh, New Jersey. BT and South. Tommy, what's happening? Hey, BT. Listen, before we start, I have to tell you that you are my avowed enemy for life. Okay. And the reason I say that's because because I went to Siena <laughs> and you went to Marist. Yes. Boom. Yes. What year did you get? <laughs> yeah. What year did you get out? Oh, I'm I'm an old guy. I got I, out in 1970. Wow. Wow. Siena's a great school. A lot of respect for the Saints. Hello. A lot of respect. I did sack Bill Riley. I did sack Bill Riley twice. You got what? what when he was punted or playing quarterback? Because he didn't play quarterback. No, he when just he was punted. QBing. When he was QBing. Really? <laughs> you got yeah. Bill O'Reilly. I got you. Yeah, he we played were, football. We were pretty good. We were. Like we were ranked number two in the nation that year. We were undefeated. Was that but for, anyhow, for what for club football? Because that was club. That yeah, was, was club football, yeah. right? Nice, nice yeah. man. Yeah, we played half club, half uh, division three. Half guys. club, anyhow, half drunk, probably back then. Exactly right. <laughs> Go ahead, Tommy. So anyhow, the other thing is, uh, you maybe maybe you'll remember I played golf with you at Mansion Ridge. Mansion Ridge, New I Jersey. Pl- I played at Mansion. How yeah. long ago? Oh, uh, this is probably. 20 years ago, you had that itty-bitty guy was your producer. Oh, yes. The, yes. The little tiny guy. I, I remember that. I, now, I, I, I listen, to be honest, if you were in front of me, would I recollect what you look like? No, but I remember being out there, an old producer from the old station, and I remember pairing up with yeah. somebody, and evidently it's you. How did I play? Old yeah, well, it was. But it was I, I tell you, I have, to, I have to laugh when, uh, you know, you say, oh, you're mild-mannered. And you don't have a problem. But every once in a while, when you let a slice go, oh. you know, the geese had to disappear and hide. Oh, yeah, Tommy. No, no, listen. I mean, I, I own it. But I think just like I've, all of us. I've changed that. I don't get mad on the golf course. I finally learned I'm nowhere near good enough to get mad yeah. at anything yeah. on a golf course. I finally right. learned it. Enough, okay, enough of that. Let's I want to ask you about uh, the Saquon Barkley. Everybody's calling, you know, it's like the Salem witch trials. They want to get rid of them. I think... And, and I've been a Giants fan forever, since I'm 75 years old, season tickets, all that baloney, mm-hmm. that the reason some people don't like him now, they think like it's a line, he can't break through. He's got horrendous blocking. Yeah. I mean, I watch, I love him. I watch him, I rewind it, I watch it again. He's got nobody blocking for him. I don't care who's running the ball. He, you know, he gets knocked down for uh, either a loss or the line of scrimmage. So I, I just think it's, you know, people don't see the real situation where where he's a great runner, but he's got no blocking. You know, it's, well, well, Tommy, think about this, and I'm not going to dispute that. And thanks for the call and a uh, little trip down memory lane. <clears throat> I probably explained 20 years ago. I must have been a nut job on the course that day. Oh, God. Um, nobody's sitting here saying Saquon can't play. And I think we all realize the old line is, I mean, let's say, not good to be to be kind and inconsistent. But that's not the debate. I, I think where we kind of branch into two different aspects of the most important part of the conversation, is he still worth the money? 
based on the holes that they need to address? And my answer is no. I do not believe that he is, and I love him. Ryan's in Edgewater. Ryan, BT and Sal, let's cook him. BT. Hey, a uh, lot of uh, respect for you, man. As a fellow college baseball player, I, I played at Hofstra. So. Oh, nice. Nice. What year did you get out, Ryan? Uh, 2015. Wait, didn't uh, didn't they hire an ex-major leaguer? Why am I forgetting his name? Who'd they hire? Frank Catalanato. Catalanato. Frank Catalanato. That's right, Frankie. Yeah, Is he yeah. still there? He He's still there now. Um, I, I played Hofstra for my undergrad. Then I did a graduate year at Lynn University in Boca Raton. Oh, uh, that was when you nice. had to go to the trip. You uh, had to go to the sit-out from D1 to D1. So, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, but, uh, hey, question for you. So, I'm actually a Bills fan, and I've never understood why people viewed Rob Sala as a good coach. Now, when he was on the 49ers, his D-line was legendary. He had Bosa, D-Ford, when D-Ford was like an all-pro. I remember. Um, he had uh, Rob uh, Buckner. The guy who was in the Colts, Buckner. Yep. Yeah, Solomon and the Thomas. Other guy in the middle. Yeah, yeah, studs. Now, when you have a great D-line, your secondary and everything else just falls into place. Look at when the Eagles won the Super Bowl. Ronald Darby was their number one DB. The safeties, I don't even think they're playing in the NFL still, but – that D-line the Eagles had when they beat Brady was unbelievable. The Jets had a, a, a playoff roster this year. The fact that Sean McDermott can make the playoffs his first year with Tyrod Taylor yep. and Shady McCoy, you guys have the most loaded defense I, I think I've ever seen on paper. So Salah, to me, comes off as this rah-rah guy who stands on the silence and says, push harder, push harder. They gave the whole franchise to Aaron Rodgers. Like, you saw it in Hard Knocks. Like, man, one, one, when, when eight's in, we're going to have a shot in, in, in every game. They didn't want to bring a decent backup quarterback in there because it's a threat to Aaron Rodgers. That's, he, he personally didn't want that. So, to me, regardless of the story or not, which I think is crazy, like, why, why is the guy still I, – I don't understand what, his, what he does for an NFL team, Rob Sala, to make you better – He's almost like the Dwayne The Rock Johnson of, of uh, the NFL. You want him to be your main character, but he's just a supporting role guy. Like that Black Adam movie that The Rock was the main guy, awful. I don't like, know, I don't know that Sala. one. I don't know that movie. Listen, Sala stinks. What do you want me to tell you, Ryan? He's awful. Uh, I, I, don't know, I don't know what he does well. I really don't. You know, the way Ryan framed it, though, think about this. He said, the first thing he asked the question is, like, why do people think that Robert Sala is a great coach? Nobody in their right mind thinks that. Ryan, I think the difference is, and let's get clear and distinct separation, delineate between what we perceive to be a great coach and what he once was, which was a very appealing coaching possibility. You know, I could understand, because I I don't want to say I fell for it, because I I don't think he's valueless, but there was a reason why me and others looked at him and were like, man, this guy, this guy, he might be the number one candidate out there. Yeah, the defense was loaded, but the defense was still great. All right, and and you you can't penalize him for that because name me an offensive coordinator that's putting up thirty something points a game with, without a great quarterback or skill. I mean, it's just it, it, there's a correlation. You have players, you, you you win, you don't, you don't. So let's let's be clear about that. But when Salah was first being thought as a candidate, you know he projected as this physical force that I think was very welcome, the complete opposite of Adam Gase, who just projected like. You know, a detached algebra teacher. Don't disrespect algebra teacher. Sorry. You know, 
And he had a defensive resume. He felt like he had the interpersonal skills and handle New York media and inspire and inject this team with some life. Like they were like, like, like when, at the end of the Gase situation, even though Gase was probably a little bit better coach than people give him credit for. Look at his record. Not as bad as you think. Um, he was, it, it was, it felt like, like we were dead, like inside, like we had no emotion, nothing to latch onto. It was just very dark. And I think many of us thought that this guy would waltz in, you know, jacked, shaved head, running stairs, and he would just take control and he would galvanize everybody. And it hasn't worked. It has not worked. When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. Testaverde will take the snap, go to one knee. This game is over. The Jets lock up their first playoff appearance since 1991 on a 21-16 victory over the Miami Dolphins. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. All right, BT and Sal back here on the fan. So I was just messing around uh, on social media, and I saw something. I've, I've referenced this a couple times over the uh, over the years. Nick's Muse, if you follow them on X, they do a really good job. So they just put together a, a picture, right? And it's in quadrants, and they've got like a snapshot from the from MSG of the starting lineup for several different years. Oh my god! I mean, to have lived through this, right? I'm looking at one, and it doesn't say the year, although I can, I can obviously get you some. But that doesn't matter. Somewhat recent. One night, or one year, Lance Thomas, Andrea Borgnani, Lou Amundsen, remember him, the, the guy with the, with the bun? Uh, Shane Larkin and Langston Galloway. Another one. Kadeem Allen, Damian Dotson, Kevin Knox, Noah Vonley, and Lou Cornett, the big man who can shoot, I guess. Another one. Lance Thomas, Jason Smith, Tim Hardaway Jr., Langston Galloway again. Oh my God! Um, oh, this this is just this is just absolutely pitiful. My God, enjoy where you are is what I'm saying. All right, let's get back to you. Jack is in Hoboken. What's going on, Jack? How you doing today? Hey, BT. How you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. What's happening? Hey, so I, I was telling Hop. So my, I remember when. Uh, Jay Wright was stepping down, and all the rumors started swirling around with the Knicks. Hey, he'd be perfect for it. And now we have all these Villanova guys. My question to you is, if Jay Wright is coaching these Nova, the Nova Knicks, mm-hmm. and then we trade and we get Makai Bridges, yeah. would you rather have Ibs running these guys, or would you rather have Jay Wright with all his boys that ran national championships, multiple. Yep. Um, I think my answer. And, you know, Jay, you know, I'm, I'm a big Jay Wright guy. He's. Oh, Jay's the man. I mean, Jay is. Uh, he's the man. He's, and, and when they were talking about it, it was like, oh, wait, we're going to get like, that's a possibility. Well, I always felt like it was more yeah. with Philly. I, I really thought it was more like with Brent Brown. You heard that those rumblings when he was still at Nova. I never really thought right. it, it to me. It never felt really real with the Knicks. Jack, my answer is going to surprise you. I'd rather have Tom oh. Thibodeau. I don't know if Jay Wright could coach in the NBA. I surmise that he could. You know, I, sur- I I think. But I know the Thibodeau could. And I know the Thibodeau could coach this team. Yeah. And the thing is, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love 
what the Knicks are doing. Mm-hmm. And I, I've seen your I've seen your tweets, and you're a hundred percent right. The New York Knicks are it right now in New York. That and there is no argument. That is it. Yep. The New York Knickerbockers are back, baby. That's what I'm talking about. I love, I it. love it. Yeah, dude, I love it. It's all you can feel that it. it's palpable, Jack. Thanks for the call. Like the energy, and I'm even getting texts like you know one of my group texts. Uh, fantasy baseball buddies, you know, a couple of the guys who I'm really close with from from college. You know, it, now that the chain is it's, it's never dead. You know, sometimes it's more active. It's a little dormant on occasion, but it never totally shuts down. We always keep it going. But now everybody's parachuting in with Nick stuff. I mean, and I don't mean the two or three diehards in the group. Everybody's watching. Everybody's noticing. It's absolutely amazing. And you, know, you can't wait for Thursday, even if they don't win. And by the way, this against the Pacers, uh, the um, uh, wait, the Pacers? Who are they playing? Yeah, I think it's the Pacers. Yeah. And then the Lakers on Saturday. Those are two tough matchups without Randall. Hopefully OG's back. And, and we'll see. But, like, to me, it's almost more revealing. Anybody could step up. I don't know if you would see it this way or if you would agree. But I, I do process some of their recent success without Randall this way. Like, okay, Saturday night, LeBron, AD. the La- Not that the Lakers are that good, but it's the Lakers. So, it's easy to come to the arena revved up and locked in for 48 minutes. It's a little tougher when you're down in Charlotte against a moribund Charlotte team, uh, playing against the Utah Jazz, who, even though they punked you when you played them out there at the Delta Center, and, you know they're big and they can shoot, and they played the night before as well, so they had heavy legs, and they're on the back end of a road trip. So you're, pu- you're supposed to win the game, and they did. But the fact like that the Knicks aren't messing around like, they walk to half court, opening tip, and if it's an inferior team, they just snatch their heart. They just take their soul. Like, they let them know, even though last night you needed a little bit of a run to get separation. I get that. But in large part, it's like, no, 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 no. No. You stink. We're better. And we're going to let you know eight minutes into this game, you're not going to win. And, like, think about how professional you are or you have to be to do that. I know it's easy to say. Most NBA teams don't do that. Let me get Frank in Monroe Township. What's happening, Frankie? Hey, BT. How you doing today? I'm good. Thanks, bud. What's cooking? Good, good. Uh, two points. One, on your, you mentioned Alaska the other day. Definitely get up there if you can do it. Oh. I would suggest the land and sea uh, tour. It's two weeks, one week on land, one week by sea, Oof, and you God. would love it. I mean, two weeks is probably a little bit you know, ambitious with work, and two little ones is probably more of a retirement thing, but... I need to go salmon and halibut. I love to fish and 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 halibut fishing in Alaska. Need to do it. It's amazing and, and even more amazing when you're watching the salmon. Yeah. Uh, is seeing these bald eagles coming down out of the sky and just ripping them out of the water. Really, like huge fish. It's amazing. So now, I it's mean, amazing. I I I know that their jaws are very powerful. Like, can they? I guess the answer is yes. They can pull a 25 pound salmon out of the water and just fly with it. They're talking about a big bald eagle latching onto it with those talons on its feet. Yeah, it's true. Amazing. But I'm it's thinking, amazing. but I'm thinking a physics thing. Like I would imagine, in some cases, the salmon is heavier than the eagle, despite the it's grip of mother, the talons. It's mother nature. Yeah. It's amazing. But yeah. get up there if you can. I got you. Uh, my 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 giant's point. But mm-hmm. get on that cruise. Uh, my giant's point. Uh, you know, I love Saquon, Bar- Saquon Barkley. I think he's. I don't think he's going anywhere. But, you know, didn't the Giants kind of create the problem when they drafted him at number two? Yes. Um, because they, could, because they, they drafted him at number two, they had to give him more money. They kind of created the problem. And 
If not Saquon, my question is, if not Saquon, who? Who are they going to get to replace his talent, what he does for the organization? Like you said, going up to this park, and all of a sudden he's surrounded by kids, and him and Daniel Jones takes the time yeah. to spend time with the kids. That's that's the the it factor that you get with Saquon. I know you so do. I, I, I think they got to keep him. But, but I don't think they're going to. And, Frank, here's the thing. Trust me, and I'm the one who told you the story about the kids, so I saw it with my own eyes, and it was even more amazing than I probably conveyed on the radio because I just well, I didn't want to belabor it. I wanted to move to the next thing, but it, it was special to watch. Dick Jones as well. Um, but that doesn't win you games, dude. Like, you don't bring that to the stadium on Sunday. It's callous, and it's a cold way of, you know, analyzing and calculating stuff, but he's getting a little older. Every year he's nicked up. They haven't won much with him except one year. And he plays a position that is, you know, minimized by the year. So, you know what I mean? Come, yeah, but doesn't it always come down to, in the end, is is somebody else going to make your team better than he is? No, but, well, point? yes. Yeah, yeah, but it's a good question, Frank, but it's in an unconventional way. Thanks for the call there, Frank. To me, this is not that different from, than Pete Alonso. Now, the big difference is salary cap stuff, right? Now... Not to beat this to a bloody pulp, I'm on the record. I would trade Pete. All right, you know why. And if don't, if you don't, you got to start listening to the show more. But I would trade him. Now Saquon, I would let him go. And I think both guys are awesome. But I think that their positions and where they are in their careers and where the teams are, it's not congruent. It doesn't fit. All right. So there's nobody that's going to come in quite literally and hit 45 bombs and drive at a buck 15 and do what Pete does. Understood. Nobody's replicating that. I've never said that. So what you do is you get a different type of profile first baseman, take the money you'd give Pete and then spread it around the diamond. And in my opinion, you'd have a better team. Just like, I mean, there are guys that could actually replicate Saquon's production. I don't know off the top of my head who, you know, who, but there's a kid in college, I promise, that's going to get drafted around two, three, or four in the next year or two. That's going to be the next Saquon Barkley. It's just, it, it is. It's going to happen because it happens every year in the NFL. So, no, I don't think that if they let Saquon go, let's say he goes to Dallas or wherever he goes, and then they identify a running back to do what he does, that's not what I'm saying. But then you take the, instead of the 12.2, I think it is, for the double tag, the back-to-back tag franchise, you take that and you put it to the positions that are awful, that are preventing you from being really good. That's how I would do it. 877-337-6666 is the number. We got an hour to go. BT and Sal on the fan. I believe and I hope Sal was back tomorrow. Uh, but I'm running solo up until 2. That it's Evan and Tiki. I think Tiki might be Tiki out again. All right, so Sean's sitting in. All right, Evan and Sean. As uh, Evan cries for his DH. I mean, Cohen, come on, man. Would you deliver something for the guy? He's resorting to begging on the air. Just give him a stick. Sign somebody. Jeez. Call us. 877-337-6666. Powered by Paramount+. Plus. Stream the NFL on CBS live on Paramount+. Plus. All right. 102. Back on the fan. BT and Sal. Brandon Tierney. Sal Licata Show. So, um... I'll throw in some more baseball here. You know, it's, it's crazy about this hot stove, which is, it is just hit a crawl. And I haven't been, I got to be fair about one thing. You know, I, I love what the Yanks are doing. I believe in them even more than most. think they're tremendous. And I think that their new alignment, more contact, Verdugo, Soto, a superstar, Judge, 
growth from Volpe. I think the Yankees are going to be so different this year. But I, I mean, even I have to say, I mean, this this one day Peralta stuff is is pissing me off here. Four years, come on. So the Yankees didn't get Hater, and I wouldn't have given Josh Hater five years. I'm fine with that. I'm not just going to yell just to yell. But this is the guy that you didn't get Neris, Hector Neris. Who the hell are you getting? And that opens up a bigger conversation, right? Think about the way the hot stove, this is for the Yankees and the Mets. Think about how the way the hot stove started. Otani, boom. Yamamoto, boom. Nola, boom. Jung-Hoo Lee, boom. Um, Soto, trade, boom. Glass now, trade, extension, boom, boom. We're like, all right, this is going to be fire. This is going to be nuts. And then crickets, nothing. But the crazy part about this, and I was kidding before I got to the update about, you know, grown men, Evan, Steve Cohen has reduced him to begging for him to get a bat. And Evan's not wrong. You need a bat. The crazy part about what remains of this offseason is that if the Mets wanted to abruptly shift course and... I don't mean blow up their plan of the minors and growing the system. I don't mean that. That's a very prudent plan. That's going to that's gonna work eventually. But they could actually straddle the fence and do both. The Mets could jump into this tonight and go nuts and say, all right, we're not going to compromise Stearns' vision to invigorate the system, which they need to, and fortify things, which they obviously need to. But we're going for it. We're going to blow Snell out of the... Out of, and I know Sal doesn't want Blake Snell, which to me is insane. Would you rather watch Blake Snell pitch or, you know, I mean, take your pick. Severino, batting practice, Quintana. I'm not going to diss Quintana. He's fine if he's number five, but he's not. You know, McGill, Peterson, Montgomery's still out there. Matt Chapman is still out there. Now, I know that these guys aren't perfect. Cody Bellinger's still out there. You know, I don't know. If, if you want to keep Pete Alonzo, again, I would trade him. But if you want to keep him, hey, see, here's a crazy thought. How about getting the man a little protection, you know? Like somebody behind him to help him? There are things that the Mets could do that would radically change how I perceive them to be this season coming up. And I believe they're going to stink this year. There are moves to be made. They're not going to make them. They're not. And I got news for you. If I'm the Yankees, they won't do this either. I would go out and get Bellinger. I would get Bellinger because I don't think that last year was a contract push. Trust me, I've I've got into the numbers. Oh, his hard hit rate. Shut up. Watch the guy play. Hard hit rate. These nerds who never played. The reason why he's got a you know a, a slightly below or you know not uh, not an elite hard hit rate. I'll tell you why. Because he hit what he hit two ninety with with two strikes. What happens when you have two strikes? You learn this when you're seven. Hey, little Joey. Hey, choke up, buddy. Just make contact. Put the ball in play. And when you do that, you don't strike out. And there's value in that. Now, you also don't rip bullets. So what's more attractive? You know, hitting 197 with two strikes or hitting 290, but having it negatively impact your hard hit rate. I think about that. That's why baseball with certain things drives me nuts. I think there's got to be a better balance of metrics and gut. So if I was the Yankees, I would get Bellinger, not necessarily to play the outfield, to take over at first base next year when Rizzo's done. Or this year, if Rizzo is done, which I don't think he is. I really think the concussion was, he was playing very well before he had that. Uh, that that 
not even, not the, like the, with, with Tatis at first base. Just weird. You know, he's probably going to be an all-star. There are things to do. Are the Yankees going to do anything else? Nope. Are the Mets going to do anything else? No. Hoff, let me ask you that. I got to pull you in for a sec here, Hoff. You know, you do the Rico pod, you and Evan, Met fan Sal. Met fan Sal's out today, obviously. See you tomorrow, hopefully, pal. Um, I just laid out a plan where you can do both. You can adhere to Stearns' vision, which I believe is the proper play because the farm's been decimated, et cetera, ignored for too long. But also, you can pivot now based on reading the market and the cold malaise that has just suffocated baseball. Nobody's doing anything. Jump in the pool, get a stick, get an arm, go get a wild card. Yeah, I, I think that's all attainable. I think like you're right, it, but they can't be egregious in a way where it's like, oh well, co- get Cody Bellinger now for the next four years. That's not. See, I he, don't think that's egregious. He's not getting it, four it, years. He's probably going to get six anyway. Well, which what, I, what, you know, what, but. whatever it is, is I don't think this market is very good. I don't think the free agents are very good. I think they're over. I think a lot of the guys, I think that teams are being smarter now and signing these contracts earlier on. Like the Detroit Tigers. Did you see over the weekend? I did. They signed their prospect who hasn't played a game yet for like 10 years. I did. It's a very forward-thinking move. That's smart by Detroit. And that means that when these guys would typically hit free agency, they're not. So the guys available are these projects that I don't think are – Worth the yeah. six-year deal. Well, I I wouldn't use the word projects. What I would say is they're in a very interesting spot where they're a little too deep in their prime. And if that six, seven-year deal, like, I I get it. I'm at Chapman's not not young. Bellinger, well, Bellinger's fine. But Chapman's up there a little bit. And But you should, but the thing is, this is that Chapman is, is I've, where I look at it, say project or whatever it is, yeah. is because he's not a complete player. He's not someone that's going to be worth you know, committing all this time and money to when he just does a couple things. He's a great defender. Great defensive. And he's got pop. Yeah, but he comes with a 240 yeah, average. Yeah, and he strikes out a lot. And those numbers are getting worse by the year. I'm not saying he's perfect, but, I mean, who's would you rather have Matt Chapman or Brett Beatty playing third base opening day if or I'm, Joey Wendell? Well, here's the thing is, you're right. I'd prefer having somebody else than either of those guys. Yeah. But the problem is, those are my options. I'll take Beatty and Vientos for a year and see what else comes up next year. Yeah. That, that's, un- unfortunately, the wait and pray type of move you got to make. You know, the crazy thing about Blake Snell, and it's a little mystifying to me. I know he doesn't go deep into games. I get that. I know that he hasn't been, you know, for guys who's won two Cy Youngs, usually these these pitchers historically with two or three or more, I mean, every year, even if it's not Cy Young, there's no, there's no drop. I get it. There's some imbalance to his performances. But I do want to understand. you got to understand one thing about Blake Snell. Blake Snell, in his final 23 starts this year, had a 1.20 ERA. There's one pitcher since the 60s to have a better ERA over 23 starts. It's Bob Gibson. Bob Gibson. And by the way, that was in the 1968 season, which was the great season, which led to Major League Baseball lowering the mounds because there was an absence of offense. That's how dominant Blake Snell, statistically, I, I know he's not perfect. I know. He walks a lot of guys. He gets out of a lot of jams. Once his fastball's a yard short, you know, do those guys that he leaves on base now, do they eventually score? I, he's not perfect. Understood. But the guy's good. I mean, Matt Chapman... As much as I say sometimes these numbers drive me nuts, Chapman has the 10th best war in all of baseball 
since he entered the league in 2018. I mean, that's not two years ago. It's a lot of baseball. The 10th best war. So I know the Mets aren't going to do this, and I know the Yankees are done outside of, you know, when they have to trade for somebody, which they will during the season as they make their World Series push. The crazy thing about these off-seasons for the Yanks and the Mets, and most of you, certainly Mets fans more than Yankee fans, but I don't think Yankee fans are fully appeased either. I get it. Both teams can do a facelift and get deals for 75 cents on the dollar. They're just not going to do it. It's maddening. 877-337-6666. Oh, real fast, Tom. Maybe you could explain this to me. I didn't, I mean, I, I guess I can piece it together, but... Uh, I saw this pertaining to the Mets. Um, the Mets have announced that all Saturday home games. Did you see this? Yeah. Okay. Let me just read it, and then maybe you could explain. I'm sure it's based on family stuff. And Yeah. All right. So this, I guess this is pretty cool. The Mets have announced all Saturday home games this season will start at either 1.40 p.m. from late March to mid-May or 4.10 p.m. June 1 through late September. Uh, in a statement, the game time change was driven by the results from a Mets fan survey. That indicated nearly 90% of respondents favored earlier game times on Saturdays in order to bring kids, family, and large groups to games. That strikes me as a good thing. There's one person that really hates this. Evan. Yes. Why? Because 410 starts are inconvenient. For Evan? To be fair, and you know this too, and even 110 starts are, are inconvenient too. For Saturdays where it's built around... Kids playing sports. I how we run from thing to, to event, to event, to event, to event. We do. When am I going to be able to go and bring them to a game if we're running all over the place playing our own games? So True. that's why seven o'clock is easier. Yes, but then you can then say, I get that, and you and I pretty much have the same schedule. A little Lance coming up throughout the. Is he throwing out the first pitch again this year for the uh, East Chester? I wouldn't be surprised if he gets asked. I mean, he might decline. He's he might decline. Oh, he's, he's got a lot of offers. He's a big <laughs> star already. I know he threw that strike last year. That was a good he one. Did, yeah. So we're both busy up to the next with baseball, softball. That's awesome. JD's getting ready to go to Stepanak, and he's a ball player. So I get it. But then you can also say that seven o'clock on Saturday night interferes with conventional family time, and maybe you don't want to go to a game. Barbecues, grandparents' visits, trips. You know, listen, the bottom line is if you have kids playing sports, as we both do, you're not going to a lot of games during the summer. You're just not. You can't. Not if you're not if you have games. I I don't know I don't, the, I don't know the easy solution. I really don't because we've done those things too where it's like we went to a Yankee game a couple of years ago and it was 7 o'clock start and I was like, oh, this is perfect because it fits on a weekend our, or a, On a weekend, on a Saturday. Yeah, yeah, I got you. It's perfect. It fits our schedule. Yankees don't have many of those. I don't like those. They were playing the Cubs, you know. Yes, so I remember we, that. We happened to be able to fit it in. Yeah. And we left after like four or five innings because the kids were cranky and tired because they've been playing sports all day. Yeah. And, you know, the Yankees hit like four or five home runs in the first few innings. Game was over, out of hand. Let's just go. I, oh, mean, I remember that so game. So it was just, it was, we saw Judge hit two home runs. I remember that That was game. enough for us. I remember that game. That was like early, wasn't there a streak where, and Anthony's obviously Hoff's son, his youngest son, where every time Ant went to the game, Judge went yard. Wasn't there a streak that was going on? Yeah. I, something I, like that? I think, I'm not sure if it's still happening, but yes, he, every single game that Judge played in that he was at, Judge would hit a home run. And just for the record, um, of course, Hoff is a, a devout monstrosity of a Mets fan. Little son, still a big Yankee fan, just checking. He is a huge Yankee fan. He keeps on getting, piling up the jerseys, but I'm trying to, he's leaning towards a little bit of a love for some of the guys on the Mets, and guess who one of his favorite players is? Let me guess, Pete. 
yeah. he's going to be heartbroken when he's traded. I know. Nah, heartbreak broke us too far. Heartbreak is too far. That's but, reserved but, for your judge. Right. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. That, oh, that's his God. guy, number one? Number one. And you know who number two is going to be? Soto. <laughs> Wait till he comes. <laughs> Let's get John in Garden City. Back to you guys, 877-337-6666. What's up, Johnny? Hey. Well, he could have the best of both worlds next year when Pete's playing first base for the Yankees. When who's so, pl- now? I don't want Pete on the Yankees. What? Not not for the money. I don't know. I don't want him on the Yankees. He, he, here's since I, since you switched to baseball, I want to get back to my my original point. I'm a I'm a Yankee season ticket holder. I go go to as many games as I can. This is how I I look at the season coming up based on, and I'm kind of in agreement with you that they're going to be an excellent team this year. Okay. I think this is what we need to have happen. You'll tell me your thoughts. Out of these four, out of Rodon and um, Nestor and LeMahieu and Rizzo, if three of those four play to the back of their baseball card, we're going to have a very, very good year. If you get all four, we're going to probably go to the World Series. Because I'm putting Stanton aside. I don't know what I'm going to get out of that guy. Mm-hmm. But these four guys, if they can play. Look, Rodon was signed to be a top-of-the-rotation guy. It was a flop. If it was an adjustment injury year, he's 85% of what you thought he'd be. Nestor, Nestor, I hope he's going to be what he was for us. He had a lot of years. He was just hanging on in baseball. I hope he doesn't revert to that guy. Yeah. And, and Rizzo, if he comes back, you know, Rizzo, LeMahieu, those are those are funny ones. You're going to need you're going to need somebody who's going to give those guys a little bit of rest. Mm-hmm. Maybe they they rotate in and out of DH a little bit. Um, I don't know if that guy's on the team this year yet, but those, if you could get three out of four with what we have and you leave some room to add at the, at the deadline, I think we have an excellent chance, if not to get to the World Series, to get to the ALCS. Because if you're in the Final Four, you can't argue. Yeah, I mean, I know sure. we want to win championships, yeah. but that's, a, that's an excellent year. That's my point. I, I, John, I think you raised a couple of good points there, and I like the names that you give me. I would now just to take the, you know, through the conversation here, some talking points. Um I mean, I could even make a case for Volpe, even though it's only year two. But, you know, does Volpe hit two seventeen or does Volpe hit two fifty one? I, I I don't know. Because if he hits two fifty one, he might steal forty bases. And he's gonna hit thirty home runs. So he's a big variable. When does Dominguez come back? And when he comes back, does he look like the Dominguez who played before he got hurt? So I would, just to incorporate those into the conversation, the four names that you gave us, Rodon, Nestor, DJ, Rizzo, I'm going to rank them in order of confidence that they will, I'm not even be great, but just perform well enough where they're not an issue. Um, I'm going to say, I've actually got a lot of confidence in Rizzo and DJ to to be fine. I'm not really worried about that because I think there's ways around if, if DJ's really if if DJ's done, and I don't think he is based on the way he hit in the second half last year. But you you can sit him easier than you can sit Rizzo because they don't have another first baseman. Uh, but I don't think Rizzo's cooked yet. Yeah, he's probably gonna hit 250, 25 home runs, pick it at first. That's fine. It's fine. I think DJ will be 280-something, soft 280. He'll be fine. I think Rodon bounces back. I am worried about Cortez. Of the four names, Nasty is the guy that I – it's amazing with Rodon on this list. I just – his stuff is just average. 
And, you know, you can get by with, I guess, average stuff for a little bit. But you've got to be perfect. Like, Jimmy Key's stuff was not average. But Jimmy Key was not Randy Johnson. It was also a very different game back then, but not everybody was throwing 95. But Jimmy Key, you know, Jimmy Key painted the corners, you know, changed planes, mixed up the speeds, in, out, up, down, you know, hard, soft. And Jimmy Key was awesome. I feel like Nestor is a poor, poor, poor Jimmy Key. And that, that worries me. So I would say that he's the guy. And I, I, it's funny because I love his energy. And of course, I'm rooting for him. I don't. I don't really know that I have a lot of faith in him right now. I don't. Well, actually, I don't have a lot of faith in him right now. He definitely concerns me. 877-337-6666. It is BT and Sal here on The Fan coming up. We've got the call of the day. Get back to these calls as well. What do you got there, Hoff? Something? Uh, they're breaking news. What Seahawks are set to hire a coach. Is it? It's not Kafka. It's not. Uh, who is it? It's not Kafka. It's not Kafka. Who is it? Mike McDonald. It's McDonald. Okay. So he went through the second spot. So, um, all right. That is just breaking there. Okay. Johnny on the spot. What a journalist. Perfect timing on the break-in as well. I try. Yeah, it was good. That's what we do here. I understand. All right. Now, of course, I got to, you know, set it back up, and I got to get you back to break, and, you know. (laughs) All right. BT and Sal, call the day. Back to your calls next on The Fan. When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. Manning back, steps up, heaves one down the middle of the field, into the end zone, and Nix makes the catch for the touchdown! He went up with the big hands and caught it on the Hail Mary! On the final play of the half! When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Call of the Day with Brendan Tierney and Sal Licata on The Fan. And today's Call of the Day brought to you by Ramsey Mazda. Choose wisely, choose Ramsey Mazda. Carmine in Eatontown. Carmine, BT and Sal, what's up? Severe, severe pain with the Jets with you. Unfortunately, like you, I root for the Mets. And that's something that got me Mm. to my point. Two weeks ago, I threw my hands up. And well, we're kicking the tires on this one. We're, we're, we're looking at get going after this one. We want Wandy Peralta. They're spending nothing. They're spending nothing. They're not going to. And then today I read an article that said to me, oh, my God, this is what it is. I'm like, I thought for sure they were going to be spending money this year. Mm-hmm. I said, I don't care. If they, they, I was liking that they cut ties with the other guys. I'm like, okay, eat the money, but now. Don't go after the 40-year-olds. Yeah. And then what do they do? I read this article that says that there's some possible problem with senators that are, as he's going after this casino, yeah. that that, and I'm saying, that's it. He ain't spending a damn dime. And we're sitting here, and Sal, everyone, we're looking for a DH. We're getting nothing, Steinink, and nothing. <laughs> you know that. <laughs> Just the way he said it, it still cracks me up. What about the King Kong? Can't catch you something? Huh? <laughs> oh, man. I mean, it is. It, it, I mean, you at least have to admit that. I mean, come on. I had you not spent some money on a bat here. 
I mean, it's been duped a little bit with Mr. Cohen. Is that an unfair statement? Been duped a little bit. The anticipation, the presentation, the initial foray into big spending ways, and then turtle up. Got to retreat. Can't get that bat. All right, let's get back to you guys here. Um, 877-337-6666 is the number. BT and Sal. Uh, By the way, a couple things we've been juggling today. This Jets article, which has taken up a big piece of the show in The Athletic, I don't know, 20 pages, just a scathing review of how lost Robert Sala is. That is one thing that I know you guys want to chime in on. The Knicks, there's been a lot of carryover from yesterday. When I proclaim the Knicks are absolutely the best-run franchise in the city, second to nobody, uh, that's gotten some hot and uh, and some you know some some play as well. And then some baseball I threw on there at about one o'clock or so. So let's get back to you, Knicks up in Westchester. What's going on, Nick? How you doing today? Hello, you can hear me. Uh, yeah, Nick. Hey, it's going great. Uh, I so I listened to your Knicks sermon yesterday, and first off, I want to say you know I was starved for you guys to start talking about the Knicks. All season, you know, they've been killing it. Mm-hmm. And the point I wanted to bring up, so thank you for getting to the Knicks, but the point I wanted to bring up was you talked about how it's the organization is kind of, you know, the example to be set in New York. And I think Tom Thibodeau doesn't get enough credit for getting the most out of these guys. You know, every time it seems like it's time for another player to step up, they do. And I think I saw somewhere he's coming up on like third most Knicks games uh, coached as a head coach. Like this guy is going to go down as one of the best coaches in New York sports history. You know, when it's all said and done, if he's got another two, three years or something like that. Oh man, that's that's a little ambitious. I mean, you, you need a championship. You got Tory, you got Coughlin, you got Billy. Morton. Oh yeah, yeah. I I'm mean, speculating. You, know, you got Red yeah. Holt. You got Red Holtzman. What Keenan did for the Rangers in '94, Al Arbor, my bad, four straight championships. But just even from a franchise that had a rotating door of coaches, for him to be here and yep. have the continued success and taking steps up the ladder, yes. and turn this franchise around. That's it's fair, a, no question. I, I can't. He's one of the best coaches in my lifetime. I'm a young guy. Okay, you know I've stuck with the Knicks through it all. Not a boy. And you know it's. It's the best. I, I love watching them, and I love hearing you guys talk about them, so thank you. Oh, you got it. And trust me, I mean, if you're new to the show, if you're new to what Sal and I do, you know, it's a list of priority. We we, we got to set up what the hits are, and we're going to really hit what's topical, and we'll bounce around on occasion. But obviously, you know, you got the big stuff to hit. Yanks, Mets, Jets, Giants. We are massive Nick fans, and it's just starting. It's just starting. Trust me. So let's have a little fun, not really, but go backwards from Tom Thibodeau just to create the thread of how awesome he's been. Uh, Mike Miller before that, never really got a chance, obviously. David Fisdale. I was actually excited when Fisdale was take that for data. Like, I got excited about that. He was horrendous. 21-83. and 83. Dude won 20% of his games. Good God almighty. That's worse than expansion stuff. Anyway, before that, Jeff Hornacek, stunk. Kurt Rambis, stunk. Derek Fisher, stunk. I mean, Fisher, well, yeah, whatever. I was going to launch into this. It doesn't even matter. Derek Fisher, stunk. Mike Woodson, respect. Mike D'Antoni, respect. Isaiah Thomas, stunk. Larry Brown, stunk. 
I mean, I love her, but you know, Herm stunk as a coach. You know, uh, Lenny Wilkins didn't stink, but certainly not what we were hoping for. I mean, it's yeah. Van Gundy was great. Nelson stunk. Well, actually, I didn't you know, let me take that back. Don Nelson didn't stink. That's where it started to go. You know, that was well. First of all, that was the first move off Pat Riley. Pat's here from '91 to '95. Nelly comes in, and the the problem with Don Nelson actually could have been very easily avoided if Patrick Ewing would have bought in. Because Don Nelson correctly identified what the Knicks needed to change if they were going to adapt and morph into another championship version, even though they never won. But basically, they weren't going to win the way they tried to win in 94. So when Don Nelson came in, he said, listen, Anthony Mason, we're running the offense through you. Pat said, no, you're not. Not happening. And there was friction, and, you know, Don Nelson got bounced. Didn't even last the season, despite having, I think it was like eight or nine games over 500. Riley was, was Pat Riley was the man. You know, John McLeod, brutal. Stu Jackson was okay. Uh, Patino was fun. I remember, you know, it's funny with Patino with St. John's, but I, and I told Rick this, we were shooting the Red Storm report. I think this was maybe the first one. We've already done four. And it was either before or after the shoot. We're talking about Bernard King, because he coached Bernard King. So I'm like, oh, this is awesome. And I remember the game Watching it in my basement with my dad, Channel 9, when they made the playoffs for the first time, I, I guess, in my lifetime. I I mean, I, I, I know what happened historically, but I'd be lying if I said I remember watching Bernard King score, you know, 44 and a half points a game against the Pistons. Like, I don't remember watching that in real time. I think I've convinced myself that I that I did, but I, I, I don't remember that. I remember, you know, when, when Bernard King got hurt. At that game, I was actually watching on Channel 9 because it was in Kansas City, a road game against Kansas City, uh, the uh, Reggie Theus' team, the Kings. So Rick comes in, and they had to be- I believe it was the Pacers, and they had to beat the Pacers. And Steve Stepanovich, Dove, you remember that name? No. Good talk, Dove. Um, Steve Stepanovich was a big, big center, white guy. He was okay. He was tough. He was a pretty decent player. And he had a jump shot. I think it was him. I think it was Stansberry. One of those two guys, but I think it was Stepanovich who missed the jump shot. Though, could you check on YouTube, please? I'm curious. Missed the jump shot. Nick squeaked into the playoffs. Patino ran on the court, you know, hugged Mark Jackson. It was awesome. But but aside of that long, winding story, the point is there's been a dearth, or some might say a paucity, of good Nick coaches. We got a really good one. Pierre's in Putnam. What's going on, Pierre? How you doing today, pal? I'm doing all right, fellas. Thanks so much for having me on. Okay, so, you got uh, it. Listen, I got to preface this with, and I know you're going to get me for this, I am not a Knicks fan. In fact, I'm a Knicks hater. Okay. I've been one since the 90s as a kid. That's fine. Who, who are you, Bulls never, fan? Who, who do you root for? I was a diehard Michael Jordan guy. All right, well, so, uh, let me ask you, how old are you, Pierre? I'm 46. Okay, I'm well, 46. Who'd, you root for, who'd you root for before Jordan? I mean, I was a kid before Jordan. Yeah, I so was I. I rooted Jordan. for the Knicks as a kid. Years. Wait, say that again? So was I. I was a kid once. I rooted for the Knicks. You had to root for somebody. I got you, and I, and I rolled with Mike. No, no, I'm saying, no, 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 no,
this Knicks team is really, really good. I heard your point the other day about best run organization. As a hater, I wanted to dispute you. I couldn't come up with nothing. And then I came up with my own hot take, and I can't believe I'm saying this. So, obviously, Jalen Brunson, super likable player. He's on a great contract. Point guard has been a position the Knicks have been lacking since, what, Rod Strickland, Mark Jackson. He's galvanized the city. He's an all-star. Is Jalen Brunson the best signing, pound for pound, dollar for dollar, in New York sports history? And, you know, Pierre, you, okay. Now, that is a deep question. There's a lot of different answers, but not many answers if you actually get to the gist of the question and answer it properly. Now, before I just rush and say yes, let's establish a timeline. So, I'll say in my lifetime, signing. From the Knicks' perspective, no question. I mean, we love Allen Houston. You know, the the addition of, of Spreewell, it's not close. It's Brunson. Let's not let's not get twisted. Uh, from a Yankee point of view, I mean, there's a couple. The O'Neill trade with Roberto Kelly that really changed things a lot. Basically, a three hitter for a long time. Um, I mean, even Cespedes for a minute with the Mets getting to the World Series, but that was kind of short lived. I mean, I'm just going through the machinations of history here. Ah, uh, Messier, Messier's got to be the one. It's got to be Messier. It's Messier. Everybody says, you don't talk cocky. There you go. It's Messier, number one. Number two, three, or four? One of those, when it's all said and done, is going to be Jalen Brunson. That's much. That's how much he impacts winning. It is uncanny what this guy does every single night. He is no nonsense. He is all ball. He is so efficient. He is a killer. Let's talk about it. 877-337-6666. Powered by Paramount Plus. Stream the NFL on CBS live on Paramount Plus. All right, BT and Sal back on the fan brand. It's here to Sal Licata Show. Back to you. Back to your calls. 877-337-6666. Let's get Ray up in the Bronx on that scathing Jets article. Boy, that didn't look good. What's going on, Ray? How are you? Hey, what's going on, Brandon? I'm, I'm good. Well. Got, I, I got some Ajita. Okay. Because I'm a diehard Jets fan, lifelong, pretty much the same age as you, and I just don't think Woody Johnson gets it. I mean, this whole everyone could point fingers at Salah, this and that. It all comes from Woody. I, I mean, he values Aaron Rodgers more than he would hiring a good head coach like Harbaugh. It's I'm I'm. You know, I'm on that proverbial ledge of, you know, throwing in the towel and no longer being a, a Jets fan. You're not so going to do that, Ray. Neither am I. We yeah. could talk tough. We don't have the guts to do it. Stop. You're never doing it. Yeah, but it drives me nuts. Yeah, well, that, I mean, that, just, yeah, that I know. It, yeah, so it's just <sighs> going to be another season of, like, pointless Sunday afternoons watching three hours of this crap they put out every year. And if Woody had any guts, he would have blown the whole thing up and brought in a guy like Harbaugh. That's all I'm saying. But it's not – you know it's not going to happen. And next year, hopefully next year, Vrabel is available and we go get Vrabel because that's the only hope I have. I love I, Mike Vrabel to me. is a superstar. But, you know, he yeah. sounds good. Right, thanks for the call. I hear you. We all hear you. God. It's going to go one of two ways next year. 
the Jets are going to give us a good season, and Rodgers is obviously going to be in the middle of it. I'm not saying Super Bowl, but I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that they couldn't, but they probably won't. But it, it could be really a fun season with a lot of wins, um, playoff relevance, okay? And obviously, if they get there, that means they fix the offensive line and, and things that they had, you know, second receiver, and then Rodgers is healthy and plays well, and Salva doesn't ruin it. And that's good. That I mean, yeah, we want the Super Bowl, but hell, I mean, we'll just take take a playoff game at this point. That's optimal. That's one thing that's going to happen. Well, there's three things. The other thing is it completely implodes. Either Rodgers gets hurt or Rodgers is not nearly what we think he might still be. All right. Further diminished, more than we think. And they go eight and, you know, uh, eight and nine. Nine and eight, missed the playoffs and uninspiring, and then you blow it up. So actually, I said three, two, those are really the two things. The two things. It's either going to be galvanizing and a lot of wins, and Rodgers does next year what was supposed to happen this year, which we can only pray happens, or it doesn't work and everybody's gone. I mean, there's really nothing else in between. I don't see much else in between. Uh, Benny's down in Orlando, BT and Sal on the fan. What's happening, Ben? Hey, BT, uh, long-time fan. Um, I, I wanted to make a call. I've been a lifetime Mets fan, Knicks fan, Jets fan, so a lot of misery in my life. Yeah. Um, But one thing that's been confusing me late, I, I love the fact that Knicks have turned things around with their management, and they're going in the right direction, and everyone in the country right now is in love with the Knicks. But um, when it comes to the Mets, they're essentially taking that same plan that the Knicks have and they're getting hate. They're, they're trying to develop their young guys like the Knicks. They're trying not to get tied up in horrible contracts yep. um, like the Knicks are showing right now. But then we hear the mocks of King Cohen about not signing a bat, when in reality, you could get a bat for $15 million, but with the tax, that $15 million is really over $30 million for someone that, for a team that isn't going to go to the World Series, even if they sign a uh, a JD Martinez, yeah, but you so owe it to you. Yeah, but hold on, now, 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 Ben, I got to tell you that it's a very intelligent call. I, I sincerely mean that. That's a good point. The criticisms for the Mets versus the praise for the Knicks, when the Knicks just kind of recently did what the Mets are in the early stages of doing. I'm with you every step of the way. The difference, though, is that Dolan always spent money or tried to. Not all the superstar, none of the stars would take it, but he always had a high payroll, bloated contracts. Whereas, and there's a salary cap, so he always pushed the boundaries. There is no salary cap. Now, there's penalties, but the Met fan who's frustrated, or me as a Mets observer who thinks that they're having a bad offseason, though I understand the plan, what I'm saying is they can do both. They can build for the future, add one or two pieces, and still give you a competitive product this year. And there's thus far, they're electing not to. Yeah, I, I think from from my perspective, at least, Yeah. Uh, I kind of see the fact that Cohen is from the financial world, so he, he analyzes risk a lot. Um, so the risk of spending 30 plus million because of the tax on JD Martinez to go to the first round and they line up with the Braves or, or another powerhouse, the likelihood is that they're out. Yeah. Um, yep. it is a risk that it's not really worth taking. Uh, because of the bad contracts that they had in the past, and luckily they were getting out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I listen. So I, I think, think that one of the contracts they gave out last year is a bad contract. I would not have given Brandon Nimmo eight years. I think that that's ridiculous. And I like Nimmo as a player. He's scrappy and he's good. But 
I think they're going to lament that. He's already moving to left field. I mean, geez. Here's the problem, though. Or here's what Ben's missing, and I think others might be missing if they subscribe to what Ben just said. I got it. It's it's punitive in terms of the cap, the other threshold, not the cap, but the exceeding the luxury tax threshold, more penalty. Is it worth it? We, we could debate that all day. Now, my, my short answer is yes, because you get more production. You're not gonna you're not gonna be no matter what you do, you could get Snell and Montgomery, you're still not gonna be better than the Braves. So nobody's putting up that ridiculous argument. Not this year, you're not gonna be better than the Braves and get too many holes. But I think that there's value in a Martinez or a Turner before he signed in being around the young players. Like it's not just all right, you know, what's Turner's OPS? What what does Martinez still have left in the tank? All right, minus 27 million against the cap and the threshold that we see. Yeah, that matters. But what about Beatty and Alvarez and, you know, being those who I don't believe it as much as the others, you know, Mauricio when he comes back. I don't know. Having a 38, 39-year-old veteran who knows how to rake from the moment he rolls out of bed, talking shop in the clubhouse down in Port St. Lucie or on the backfields. It's invaluable. It's the other reason you have to do that, but they're not. Um, Chris is in Monmouth County. What's cooking, Chris? BT, long time. Thanks for taking the call. All right, Chris. Yeah, I know. Big Knicks fan. How you been? You know it, man. I've been, I've been good. I listen to you guys all the time. I just don't call as much. But I got you. Always love. Nice. Uh, BT, love for you always, brother. Thanks, man. Um, you know my buddy Todd in your neighborhood? You've seen him around. Yes, you know? yes, yes, yes. Good man. Good yep. man. Listen, BT. What? I went to the game Saturday, mm-hmm. took my daughter, first game ever. Haven't been to the game at the Garden since I'm like 15. Like, we, 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 I saw the Charlotte Hornets play like Kendall Gill or somebody like oh, that, right? Kendall, Kendall Gill was nasty. He was pretty good. Let me tell you right good. now, yeah. BT. Yeah. The Knicks are for real. The Knicks are legit. I'm tired of this. Well, we need one more superstar. How are the Lakers doing? How's Milwaukee Bucks doing, firing their coach midseason? Mm-hmm. How are the Suns doing? How are all these teams, how are the Dallas Mavericks doing with a magician in Kyrie? Forget he's a head case. Yep. You got Luka Doncic scores 70 points. 76 is doing. Yeah, they're a good spot. The Knicks are for real. I'm t- and, and I'm going to scream it out to the airways in New York City. The Knicks are a team. You play real team basketball. And they hit the three. They finally have a DiVincenzo. If you, and, and a Grimes who's finally coming into his own last night. BT, look at the playoffs last year. We didn't lose to Jimmy Butler. Mm-hmm. We lost to Kyle Lowry off the bench. We lost to the other guys they just traded who signed with the Lakers. Those guys with threes. You know, Duncan Robinson of the world. Yep. 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 Brunson, I don't listen it's a travesty. He's not an all-star. Hey, no, he's, 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 he's going to be an all-star. He's, not a, he's, just he's not a, our he, all-star. He, I, oh, he's not a starter. He's going to be an all-star. And how old is your daughter, just for the record? Because I start wrapping things up. Oh, BT. How she's old? 14. Oh, scared. that's yeah. She had a great time. Listen, yeah. She drives me nuts. I love her to death, but she's a teenager all day long. Uh, I, I, but I'm we had a great, yet, and by the way, we, we had great seats. Yep. We sat right where the celebrities came out. We saw Spike. We saw Latrell. It was absolutely, I was a kid. And for the Knicks, for the Nets fans out there, don't ever come to me and say, Brooklyn, this and that. Get out of here. New York is better when the Knicks are great. It was a lecture. All right, BT, Chris. Go yeah, for man. It. No, listen, I got you, Chris. Beautiful young 14-year-old daughter getting a little taste of the Knicks pie. Understand what it's all about when the Knicks are good? Everybody's starting to realize the giant has awoken the slumber 
and the nap is over. The hibernation ended. We back. We back. We run the show. I'm gonna play this song every day. Every time the Knicks win, I'm playing this song. I promise. All right, so there you go. Yeah, I mean the energy is. Listen, sometimes there's energy, and you know it's it's there, but it's a little manufactured. I mean, this is as, as authentic and as palpable as it gets. Like this, Nick energy is 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 with merit. Like they've earned it. It's not like we're bored or we're overinflating who they are. Yeah, I mean, I guess you can have a hot take and say Nick's going to win the championship. I'm not going to go that far. I'll tell you my realistic take. They have a chance. They have a chance. Leave it at that. They have a chance. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? It just feels like it's turning a little bit here as I see a Todd Hundley Hundley highlight on SNY. You have three buttons open. (laughs) Oh, he should have his jersey wide open, Todd Hundley. (laughs) Lance Johnson greeting him at first base. Oh, my God. Or at home. Um, it's on, man. It's on, and it is on for the rest of the season. And it's and and the best part about this is that you just, I mean, no is a strong word, but I'll use it here strongly sense. But you know, it's going to be on next season, and it's going to be on the year after. Think about what they've done. They've stabilized the money, which was very hard to do, but with smart numbers crunching and restraint, you could do it, and they did. The other thing the Knicks have done, and this was almost impossible to do, they have eradicated that awful stench that engulfed that awesome arena and made the Garden and the Knicks poisonous to all the players. Nobody wanted to come here. This is the first time a a, a recent generation of NBA players, they look at the Garden and they say, oh, that's what my old man used to say. Oh, Oh, that's what my uncle used to, oh, yeah, oh, 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 that's what they meant. That's right. That's what they meant. All right. Uh, see you tomorrow. Hopefully my man Sal is back. Miss you, buddy. Hopefully everything is okay. Um, and uh, we've got Evan and Tiki minus, I believe, Tiki today. More ass sitting in. Have an awesome day. Back in 10. Peace. We'll see you tomorrow. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 